You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, darlings. This is Anna Mann here. You're listening to the Comedian's Comedian podcast, Oh, fuck off, I love it. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and I am on tour. You can find out all of your information about my stand-up tour at comedianscomedian.com forward slash tour. We kicked off last week in Maidenhead, Leicester and Crawley and I've been having a fantastic time. So I hope you'll come along and see me at some of the dates and venues that you will find at comedianscomedian.com forward slash tour. Now, let's get straight to business. This is an absolute belter which I've been sitting on since just before Christmas. This is Colin Holt. And he's one of those people that I probably planned to interview five years ago. And every time I saw him do something, it just got better and richer and deeper and more complex. And so I'm, I, I just waited and waited and waited and then I couldn't wait any longer. He's been doing brilliantly recently with his character Anna Mann. Uh, some of you will have seen her in a variety of shows. How We Fight the Fascists was a big hit at last year's Edinburgh Festival. Uh, and we're going to talk in some depth about Anna and the the lengths that Colin goes to to keep the experience of being Anna special. That's all I'm going to say on it at the moment. I don't want to preempt any of the genuinely fascinating and slightly alarming things that Colin says, um, but he is... He's just a really exceptional writer, performer, and uh, and he's also very candid about uh, some of his mental health problems. And basically, this is the whole gamut of a Comedian's Comedian episode. If this is the first episode you ever listen to, yeah, the best ones are like this. Here's Colin Holt. Well, it's, it's funny, in my head, I still keep thinking, oh, he's... Um... He's a really good sleeper, this, the second one. He's really, like... She wasn't at all. She basically destroyed our lives. And then he's, like, is sleeping, it yeah. felt. And then now he's not. But I still pretend he is. So it's still, like... <laughs> oh, he's sleeping great. But he's fucking not. He's, like, up all night now. Um, uh, I can't... She climbs in the bed with me now. I'm just... Daddy! She's become very dramatic. Okay. <laughs> what were the odds? <laughs> Um, I can't imagine the difference between one and two. Mm. One, the difference between zero and one is so apocalyptic. Mm. Yeah, that I can't imagine. Like part of me thinks, oh, it's just another one, and part of me's like, there's no way it's just another mm. one. It must be as paradigm shifting again. Yeah, yeah. Well, in some ways, it felt weirdly easier at first because you had 
because he was all right and sleeping and all that stuff. And she'd got a bit older. So actually you were lured into this thing that was okay. And then he's getting involved. <laughs> how old are how old he's, he's nearly a year now. Okay. Well, no, he's not. He's nearly 10 months and she's uh, a year. She's nearly, sorry, three years. So, fuck, yeah. Pretty hardcore, man. <laughs> it is like Vietnam, isn't it? You and me are looking it's at each really, other like, you know, man. And it's I'm like, really horrible. I know. He's <laughs> really fucked, man. Just try to write stuff, you know. It's just like, oh. How do, are you, you, do you get time? I, um, yes, I absolutely do. And out right. of respect to my wife, I will yeah. make that completely clear. Yes, she is amazing yeah. and gives me time. Um, I, I definitely... And more productive per minute. Yeah, well, same here. Now. Yeah, yeah, because you've got to be. I mean, you've got to be. Bloody got to be. <laughs> but I tell you what, it's made me stop doing. It's like uh, watching stuff and researching and. Do you know what I mean? And, wondering, and knowing about Looking out the window and yeah, wondering. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. that's, that's detrimental because um, that is so important, isn't it? Like I've started watching some Mike Lee stuff just to get into this thing I'm writing. And I was like, fuck, if I... Just watching this is doing three hours of writing for me in a way. Not that I'm stealing it, but like... But you know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally, totally. Otherwise you're just like, is this good? I don't know, I don't know. And then you're three hours panicking. Absolutely. It has a work value. We're not digging holes. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like... It's it's a to try and work creatively. Even if you were digging holes, that might be helpful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anything where often writing is the least helpful thing, as in trying to write. That's really. And then sometimes yes. it's the is sometimes you're telling yourself that, but actually, if you just start writing, you'd be all right. Yeah. And you and you well, no, not not anyway. This is exactly yeah. what we're going to oh, talk right. about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. We start. Yeah, we have. Oh, we have. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Before we get back into yeah, yeah. Um, writing hours in the week and, and yeah. productivity and how how can we do it under the circumstances of parenthood, yeah, for example, yeah. Yeah. let's flesh out who you are for people who will be less familiar with your work. Okay. The, the two strands that I if think there of is anyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the two strands that I think of when yeah. I think of your work are the kind of sketch slash sketch slash character comedy yeah. of. I probably saw you first doing Conan and Fergus. Yeah. Sketch- and we'll, we'll come back right. to all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll kind of earmark them. Yeah. Conan and Fergus, was it Zimbani? Yeah, I Zimbani. Seeing, that I remember that about a year and a half I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, with Fergus Craig and David McNeil and others. Well, Rutherford Lodge was one we did with Fergus. Oh, okay. And then Zimbani Oh, Dave, was you and Dave? Yeah. Yes, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So there's those right. and then... And Carnival of Monsters era, yeah. Yeah, Comic yeah. Book, of which yeah. I saw all of those shows, yeah. and I want to talk to, talk to you the about classic those. era. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and then s- characters from those shows, yeah, uh, like Andy, I forget Andy Parker, yeah. Andy Parker, yeah. Um, His name I may have to change soon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> reasons we could discuss. Okay, great. At some point. And uh, latterly, Anna Mann. Yeah, those are characters you've been doing for a while that you are now like Anna Mann has kind of come into her own and. Yeah. It's your kind of breakthrough character, perhaps. At the minute, yeah, 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 yeah. So there's that. And then there's also a thing which I just want to earmark now to come back to you later, which is that at Mac two years ago, yeah. I saw you do a stand-up show about a seance. Yeah. And you Ouija didn't even boards. take that show to Edinburgh. I know. And it was Not only of... that, I, I've got another one that I did. Okay. And didn't even take to Edinburgh. So which actually I think was better. Infuriatingly. <laughs> yeah. 
you're an excellent stand-up and you don't even bother doing stand-up. That's very kind of you. Um, It's a constant, literally this morning, me and my wife, my wife and I, were writing on a big board whether I should still do Animan or do stand-up because that might get me on programmes that could bring us more money, you know? So, yeah. I don't know. It's it's so the thing to unpack that thinking for me. Let's talk about that that business aspect of it because well, yeah. Anna Man breakthrough character, big success yeah. at Edinburgh this year, last yeah, year yeah, nominated yeah. this year. Uh, last year, no, I wasn't. Oh, you but, weren't. No, neither. Years. That's all right. It's an illusion. However, apparently, I got very close. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's say that you were. Yeah, yeah. You let's were nominated. Assume... <laughs> I mean, none of my shows have ever been nominated, and they've okay. all been, frankly, winners. <laughs> <laughs> But, but uh, yeah. you you are, I think you are, you have been for a long time and are increasingly the sort of act that people are excited about. You're like a oh, regular nice. fixture. That's definitely true. Yeah. Thanks, but you, you were like you're a right, regular... take my shoes off. And... Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the, you were like a regular fixture of, you've got a, you're an appointment to view. Oh, to that's lovely. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. you are, you are. It's like, what's coming up to well, you I, next? I, I think you could say it's uh, um, an... A, a blessing and a curse in some ways in that I think I've never focused enough on something. Do you know what I mean? I've never... Um, I think it's, I think people do like to see that I do different things, I think, the people that do see it. But I think I've never then built that one thing over and over and over and over. And that was the thing with Anna at the minute is to try and... I want to turn her into a real Dame Edna or... Not that... It's not... In my mind, it's a weird thing because it's not really a drag act. But obviously everyone thinks it is, but anyway, that's another thing we could talk about, I guess. But, like, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the, the finding the thing. I think my brain is just always changing what I want to do and gets bored very easily. Speaking as someone who's been doing the, the same thing for a long time yeah. and looking at you and going, God, I wish I was more imaginative. I wish oh, I could really? do other things. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there'll be a lot of that kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That grass is greener kind of aspect to it. Um, I, I want it, to... You know, one on. thing that's really inspired me recently... And it's from, do you know Dave Edwards? He does Dave Earl's show. Yeah, oh, God. The, okay, so I meant to one talk about this on friends. the show. Yeah, yeah. The Brian, Gitt- Brian Gittins and Brian Friends Gittins. is one of the funniest podcasts funny. I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, yeah. The Kim Noble one. Have you heard that? I one? haven't heard that one yet. I'm a very recent life convert. Raft. It's very funny. So uh, Brian but, Gittins, uh, played by the brilliant David Earl, yeah. uh, badgers and harasses David Edwards. Yeah. Is his name? David Edwards. Played by David Edwards. Basically David Edwards. Yeah. forces him to improvise under extreme pressure in a very cruel way, which David <laughs> does brilliantly. Yeah. And it's a kind of radio show slash experiential kind of like, where are we? What can you see? And mm. just kind of constantly prodding him. Oh, so I always yeah, mention, yeah. meaning to mention that on this podcast because oh, it's yeah. just one of my, it's my new favourite. But yeah. It's it's. Amazing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. What are we talking about? David, David Edwards. Edwards. David Edwards. He's a bit of a comedy encyclopedia. Okay. And he likes to tell you all the... Uh, he, he just kind of sucks up anything. <laughs> so he comes to my house quite a lot. <laughs> he, uh, most Saturday mornings he'll pop around. and Because he lives near, near, near okay. me in Brian. He lives in somewhere else, but near Brian. But it's always like, so what, what have you been doing at the minute, pal? Are you... <laughs> So what kind of comedy have you been doing? You've been writing a pilot, have you? You know, I've been, I've been doing this. Oh, I'd be very interested in seeing that. Can you send that to me? Could I have a look at that? Straight, you know. So he, he is the source of everything. So he knows everything about everyone all the time, basically. Okay, everything. okay. I'm sure he's listened to every single episode of this. <laughs> many times. <laughs> but um, I'm sure he might be saying that. But anyway, he was saying about apparently the thing someone said about Edgar Wright, the difference with Edgar Wright was, as opposed to similar people at the time, that he finished things. 
Yeah. I think that is uh, something I try and remind myself every day. Because you feel Just like you don't do finish. it. Finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't see stuff through enough, perhaps. Why am I being critical of myself? But, you know. Well, it's the place for it. It's the place for it, isn't it? <laughs> because yeah, yeah. later on, we'll be unpacking those critical yeah, yeah. voices and why they're there and where they come, they come from. from. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but that's... <laughs> But that's why I, um, yeah, but that's, I guess I'm trying to explain why I do end up doing different stuff all the time. And like, so stand-up is something I've started doing and I did enjoy. Uh, but then I just, I don't write stuff down. I don't remember stuff. Do you know what I mean? I kind of go, oh yeah, that's working. And then do I, you have a record? I'll turn up and just say show. stuff. I've got, yeah, well, yeah, I've got a sort of script. As okay, such. Okay. You know, I've got a load of, um, Yeah. That was quite funny, wasn't it? With it the was gorilla. so funny. Oh, thanks, buddy. It were they, was so funny. They were funny. all just real stories. It was they one of the all... four or five shows ever that I've seen my wife crying with laughter oh, that's at. Nice. Really, really good. Well, that's and, nice. And I, and I don't even remember if it's a story from the sh- I think it was a story from the show rather than one you told me socially. The story about you being basically held hostage at knife point. Oh, yeah, yeah. In Manchester, on, And yeah. then being invited. Yeah. Well, no, he said uh, we stood there and then... It was pretty awful. Anyway, this, they, they took my friend away to the cash point and kept me... They separated us sort of thing. It was all very like, ooh. We were students. We were, <laughs> we were literally walking back at like... It was only about six o'clock and singing songs from shows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you How turned that... How awful is I that? I don't know if you said that in the original telling of the story, but that, I, I should, feel that's a key I? detail yeah, that yeah, very yeah, yeah. much changes yeah, the Yeah, I should state. definitely mention that. Well, the, the reason that the story comes out of me talking about... Um, my brother P, who who's always been quite a, he's the one who talks a bit like Sean Bean, you know, even though he's yeah. from Nottingham like me. But he says uh, he once said to me, uh, "From now on, we're going to be called Thunderwolf and Lightning Wolf." <laughs> uh, you're Thunderwolf, I'm Lightning Wolf. And he was, I said, "Why is that?" And he said, "Because when thunder calls, lightning strikes." <laughs> so, so I grew up with this idea that when you know, and. Um, <laughs> So then my idea was when I got, you know, in the, the gag was, or well, the story was that when I got mugged, you know, I was calling Thunderwolf and he wasn't coming, or Lightning Wolf. <laughs> there was no Lightning Wolf coming. But, um, but yeah, the guy, we ended up just me and this guy left alone. He was sort of like, he was going, uh, you want to whip me, don't you? <laughs> he was really little, wimpy sort of, do you know what I mean? But his mate was massive. So I was like, oh, sort of, yeah. But I sort of went, oh, no, 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 no. And he said, uh, good, because I've got a mace in my pocket. That was it. <laughs> Oh, I so, I'm just actually just remembering my own material here. <laughs> they saw a mace, as in a ball and chain. Yeah, yeah. had. And then he said, um, and then, yeah, there was just pause, and he went, what are you doing New Year? <laughs> I said, I don't know yet. He said, I'm going down Gatecrasher. You should come. <laughs> <laughs> be a night out, go on, be a laugh, you know. <laughs> so weird, man. God. Yeah, you, yeah. You so, had, that, you... so those true stories I really like telling. Yes. I think I sort of... Then started gigging it a bit more. Yes. I mean, because I, I love Mac and Edinburgh. I love doing an hour show. And I do like gigging, but I still want it to be my show. Yes. Know? Which I guess maybe stand-ups who gig all the time, they must Yes, that, that is a sacrifice you would have to make to get that sweet money and potential TV opportunity, mm. is the idea of like being fifth on a bill. Yeah, yeah. Which I do every, sometimes, sure. you know, but I'm not. And it's like, uh, yeah, rather than creating the world that they enter into and all that stuff um it's just uh so yeah it's just making those stories work in that context and then well i can tell you exactly what happened if you want to know then what happened was as i was doing that i was 
going through a very, basically a huge depression thing. Or actually, I'd say more accurately realising I was going through a massive depression thing. That is an important distinction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which was after my kid was born, so it wasn't, you know, it was, it was, but it was, you know, a whole lifetime of stuff, I'd say, that sort of came out and just, you know, I couldn't function, all this sort of thing. And I started to come out of it through through reading stuff and, and having antidepressants, to be fair, which were just amazing. My favourite joke ever <laughs> on, on Facebook, which was, I love this time of the morning. This is my favourite time of the morning when the antidepressants really kick in. Yeah. <laughs> That's genuinely true. Like, about 11 o'clock, you go, whoa! Oh, you know? okay. But anyway, so that was... Um, I'm very confessional, very quickly. But anyway, yeah, that's, the, that's what it often does. Yeah, yeah, And sure while we're does. on the subject of antidepressants, yeah, yeah. do you mind telling us which ones are you still on them? Because uh, I know some listeners to this will. Okay. I have, I have no research, no personal experience of that yeah, kind yeah, of pharmacological yeah. approach to no, fair enough, yeah. mental health. Um, well, they're called citalopram. You are the second person who has sat in that sofa in the last <laughs> month. <laughs> but I'm it now, sounds like a popular one. I'm, I'm now, possibly foolishly, I've gone down to half a pill. Uh, well, I was going to go half a pill every other day, and then I was going, and then. <laughs> And then it's getting a bit cold, and I was like, half a pill every day, I think, will stay. <laughs> so I'm down to half a pill, but okay. which, is, which is progress. You know? Okay, okay. Um, which I got down before and then went back up again. It's sort of like Bitcoin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the value of the depression. Yes. But I, it's a um, volatile currency. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, as I was coming out of this, and at the time I was trying to write a thing, which is now hopefully happening and going further, which is very exciting, but like... Um, at the time, I was having all sorts of writer's block stuff, uh, which was just connected to all that. And then I, I sort of got out of it by imagining this shit. Well, that was it. My daughter had this music called Toddler Band Music, okay. which is just like, basically it came with a, a box of um, toys, of, of instruments. And it, the music's also like... Sort of stuff me and Fergus would have used. In okay. The show. Do you know what I mean? That kind yes, of, yes, sort of like e- easy listening lift music. Kind yeah, of. but kind of literally played on kids' xylophones and jangle, <laughs> jingle, jingle, jingles, you know, jangle jacks yeah. and bells and stuff. And um, yeah, I just started doing this stuff about have you ever been depressed? <laughs> like listening to this music <laughs> to my wife, you know, sort of making her laugh. Uh, and then I sort of made a laugh slash cry kind of thing. Yeah. And then I had this idea to, um, for some reason, I had this idea that it would involve three bearded men who are my fr- who I know as friends would be in the background dancing while I did this whole and that would be my big stand-up show about depression you know and then at the same time I was doing this sort of thing which because of the depression had taken about a year and a half to happen where I was, I was doing like an Anaman mini pilot which came out because I did those YouTube videos yes. which someone then wanted to make as YouTube where they give you money for it no, Yahoo it was. Yeah. And then that all fell through. But then the company said, oh, we really like the character, she would keep doing something. And it just led to eventually me writing this sort of five-minute, you know, uh, taste-to-tape thing. And But they got the boobs and the hair and everything, you know, and it was really exciting. And, and like, fuck, that's, I'd never bothered to... Yes. You know, I'd always just done it with a feather bow on and a yes. bandana. <laughs> You see, I'm so mad that I don't mean like wacky mad. I mean like troubled. In the in my mind, that people would look at it and go, "Oh, there's a woman," 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And then, well, I know partly that is my acting, I guess, but I remember seeing a tape of, uh, a, tape, a DVD of um, Enemy of the World that someone had just filmed for me in, in Leicester Square Theatre basement, you know, and um, genuinely going to my wife, like, but I'm still me, like, I don't get it. What, like, as I was playing the different characters, yes, I couldn't understand that I, I still looked like me, <laughs> which is quite weird, isn't it? You, so, you from from enemy in the world, enemy of the world, yeah, which yeah. was a previous kind of yeah, co- as in I think golden era halt. Yeah, yeah, golden era halt. You, in my what, brain, you I mean was... the realization was that you hadn't made as much of a physical transformation in the eyes of the audience as you had expected. Yeah, well, in, in, yeah, I guess. As in, I didn't literally transform. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite disappointing. In a way. Because when you're so, on stage doing it, you're yeah, really yeah, in line, yeah, you're, yeah. you're really into it. And they seem to respond as if... Yeah, and you're being a dragon. You imagine yeah. that they see a dragon. Yeah. And then you actually watch it back on video and go, I'm doing this oh, with my on, eyes. Yeah. Where's the dragon? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, it's bizarre, isn't it? But then I think when my shows go well, I sort of come out of them and I feel like I've just had a dream, which is great. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. But I think the downside of that is it's not really like... It's kind of the exact opposite of someone doing it. This is why I think I've, I sort of struggle with going back to proper stand-up because it feels like very, uh, which I respect, you know, people take it very seriously. It's very craft. It's very, it's like, you know... I, mean, very, I think only the show takes it seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone else is very derisory. Well, about. yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I was thinking that the other day. I was thinking it is just people being, who are quite weird, being weird for money, isn't it? <laughs> Whatever anyone says. But, um, yeah, but... Uh, yeah, but it's like the opposite of someone who properly films everything and sees what they, you know, and gets their 20 minutes perfect. And all that. I just, like, sort of go out and try and, like, think I'm having a dream and then I, try and remember what happened. Which ah, is that's wonderful! Nuts, yeah, what a wonderful of, way of... It's, yeah, it's... Uh, when it's best, it's like that. I try. Well, now with Anna, it's got to a point where I... And it's lovely, it's really lovely, because it takes away a lot of my worries and sometimes I forget to do it and then I get very afterwards get very worried or whatever where I genuinely and like you know I I genuinely sort of <laughs> this is something Anna would say genuinely kind of invite her in sort of thing like as in I just try and that sounds that's no uh, no, that's, no 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 come I know, on I know, but that is genuinely overly wanky but as in I I just try and go away and put Anna in for those 20 minutes yeah so it's you know, genuinely like... So I'm she's not... making the decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's reacting. And when I forget to do that, I, I you know, it still goes all right because it's funny and the material's funny, you know, but it, it can feel... That's when I think sometimes it can feel... You know, especially I'm doing a gig at, away from sort of comfort zone or whatever, um, where they're not necessarily accepting of a of Anna. Um, then I'm telling myself what to do rather than just letting Anna do it. And you come away from that going, I didn't do the honest thing, I forged it. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that I'm kind of... And it's just less funny. It's just less good, basically. I guess it's acting, isn't it? It's what we're talking about. Um, But yeah, how we went to all that. So anyway, so eventually... Yeah, what I was going to say was, so I, I, I finally got this opportunity to actually see what she properly looked like and find a costume... And it was, it was genuinely really like that bit in Chaplin, you know, that really cheesy bit where you, what's this? <laughs> yeah, but what and if a, I put this here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, really was, it really did feel like that, you know, just feeling a, 
coming into being. And now when I when I put the makeup on, so it's great. You know, there's always a point where I just thought, oh, great, it's here and it's great. Um, because so, yeah, is... so I, I combined the two, basically, and I did Animan's sketch show for depressives. It's, that's... So that is when I stopped doing stand-up because I, for that brief period, because I brought back the character stuff but combined it with the stand-up stuff. It seems to me, you've mentioned a few times the idea of a dream or building a world or inviting people into the world, inviting the audience in, inviting Anna in. Yeah. And I think that one of the things I, I think I remember saying to you at the time was when I saw Carnival of Monsters... In a way that I couldn't put my finger on, I came away from that, which was a, a sketch show with you'd written it. There were two or three other members of the cast. Yeah, yeah. Someone else directed it, but yeah. presumably it was kind of your baby, and they were directing it yeah, yeah, as you would yeah. like it directed. Yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah. Well, it was quite a. It was very much my show, but it was quite a nice. There was a devised element to it, sure. which was really nice. I, you know? I remember at the time feeling like it was like reading an Alan Moore comic right okay. because and, I, and I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it at the time but i think that is partly to do with it is a world that yeah. that you're in when you did carnival of monsters and for me the standout i mean i loved it at the time i'd be hard pressed to remember much of the details without mm. prompting but the the element of you with your your t-shirt over your head being the monster going friend <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, and yeah. hugging someone. Oh, it was just a balaclava. It, it was just a balaclava, there we are, yeah, yeah. yeah. Going friend and finally the monster finding a friend yeah. and hugging them until he killed them. Yeah, yeah. This incredibly arresting uh, kind of moment. It's, and, and I think what reminded me about Alan Moore was that it was a complete world. It was, a, and it had a, a story, weirdly, even though there wasn't a story, there wasn't a narrative that you, it is about this, but you could follow it because he comes out at the t- start just wants to dance with someone and then the guy chases him off and then at the end he uh yeah the bab there's the whole there's the baboon do you remember that who runs into the audience yes and then he does this speech and then the monster comes out and hugs him and it's sort of like i i have a friend yes and there's this really lovely music i have a friend you know and then and then hugs him too much and he dies and then he sort of creeps off and it it shows this but that was just like like yeah like three minutes of the whole show Fucking, I love that show so much. Yeah. And it's sometimes I remember it. I, yesterday, I think it popped in my head. And particularly, weirdly, I mean, I loved it in Edinburgh, but doing it in the Etc. Theatre. Did you ever do the Etc. Theatre in Canada? Yes, I, yeah, yeah, I've played Do you do that? I, mean, I don't even know if it does it still do. I have no idea. I've not done it. When it used to be Michelle and Zena and stuff, they, they oh, were yeah. great. They were really supportive, yeah. you know, and would give me sort of free rehearsal time and all that kind of thing. Because I think because they liked it, you know, and we just really. Just it really was a, just like the dreamscape. Do you know what I mean? It really was like we and because it was so dark in there and small and sort of old and it felt dusty and, and broken and stuff. It felt like you'd go in and, and we'd rehearse and we'd just we'd do loads of stuff with candles and I mean, it was Steve Evans was the guy who helped me out. You know Steve Evans? He's a um lovely man. He was in Dutch Elm Conservatoire. I I do <coughs> know him. Yes, with Rufus. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. I know that I know him, but I can't... little chap. Yeah, okay. Sort of homunculi, how I think of him. But, yeah, I need to catch up with him, actually. But he, he, I remember saying, like, at the time, I think we were doing a lot of sketch stuff at the Albany, which was fantastic, you know, but I think we've both been a bit burnt out by everything. And we're saying, let's do stuff that we couldn't do at the Albany, was always the idea. So that's why the et cetera was so good. So it was, you know, there was this whole long bit where I was a priest talking to... 
Zoe and Dan, who were the other guys in it, and they were wearing these white masks, blank masks. I was just doing this long monologue <laughs> as a priest in darkness with candles, you know. And maybe, you know, it probably sounds a bit shit hearing it, but it's like, it's, and then at the end, because I was talking about how God was a real person that I spoke to and no one really <laughs> knew the real God. So sort of Okay. Thing. And then at the end, I say he sat right there, right, and, and point to someone in the audience. <laughs> and then they all, like, slowly turned on him. And then you heard the sound of this train and the light, like, went, like, flash right in their eyes. It's was, it was like, I don't know what was going on a lot of the time, but it was all came out of my head and it was all, like, sort of... That's where I think it's great, you know. And like you say, like, we were having kids and trying to make money and, and just life and all that, it's it's sometimes very hard to get back to that you know but when that, i kind of when i'm in that zone it's just uh, you know yeah you just create anything but i think so i think amongst mm. amongst kind of uh, comics and particularly character or sketch comics that i've had on the show you had like a proper theatrical training you went to manchester met yeah yeah so i remember uh yeah. Noel. i remember seeing you oh, guys course, yeah, in yeah. the year below Noel. yeah yeah um so a long time ago i think yeah. when i first saw fergus and craig at edinburgh i was like Oh, it's those guys that right, I've run yeah, into, yeah. like, you know, once or twice in, in Manchester when I was oh, right. living up there in yeah, Street Yeah, we church. did meet you, didn't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah of course. And you, you just, so you did proper drama training. That was yeah. like a real, like a... Like yeah, a, yeah. And it, and it was also, it was kind of, certainly from the outside, I didn't go to a drama school at that time, but it yeah. felt like the one working-class drama school. The yeah, one, I The think one so. excellent one that I was working-class. So, yeah. yeah, it was like it was great. And... A couple of other sort of. It was very comedy as well. It was very like Steve Coogan went there and people yes. like that. You know, so it had that kind was of. Was that part of why you went to... there? Why did you no, go? No, not at there? all. I never wanted. I wanted to go to Rod. Or I wanted to properly do Hamlet and all that stuff. You know, that's what I saw. I wanted to be like Ray Fiennes, <laughs> Jeremy, still... Jeremy Irons. You know, all these people who I now find kind of a bit funny nowadays. Do you do you still? What if you were offered that would kind I still of do work? It? Would you do that kind? Of, are you still excited? Uh, I don't know. I think. Um, I did the seagull. I've got this big producer on the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're... <laughs> Well, at the minute, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Time to time. Assume, but, uh, assuming financial neutral buoyancy. Oh, oh, well, I mean, in that case, I'd definitely do it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Is he here? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. no, I definitely want to do it. Um, that was the thing. Comedy was always a thing I always fought against doing, you know. Uh I sort of think it was about Les Dawson wanted to be a writer, like in France, of, of sort of existential novels. And he was really disappointed that he became a comedian. It's funny, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't know that. That's yeah. Um, that was on a programme I was talking about. But, um, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. But it was it was, it was was very gritty, you know, and they, they soon kind of knocked all that stuff out of you. Everyone said, we don't, get many, we don't get many Jeremy Irons types here, you know. But I was from Nottingham. I wasn't... But I thought acting was, you know, sort of spoke like this. And we to, you know, and that's, so I was always fascinated by the sort of Ian McKellen, all that, those kind of guys, you know. Um, but I think it was the pomposity of it in a way, if I'm honest. I think it was the kind of, I don't know what, what it was. Maybe it was about escaping. Not that I was, you know, we didn't brought up down a mine or anything like that, you know. But it was... It, it was um, it was a bit grim and dead end in some ways, you know, and I think, and sort of a sense of not, not really... In not, really, yeah, and in my, in my family, even though they're all very creative in their own way, but I think there's always a sense of underachievement. Do you know what I mean? A feeling like, 
it's like the, the polar opposite, say someone who went to Cambridge, sure, <laughs> you know, okay. as in there's, you definitely don't have that confidence and that kind of we're people who get somewhere and we're here. What did your folks do? Here. Well, my dad was an accountant and my mum was a, which, you know, it's, it's a good job, and all that, but my mum was a, a nurse, um, an old folks home by the time I was, came along. Um, but yeah, I think I think maybe those Jeremy Irons types felt like I could be this kind of you know astute kind of charming chap and all this. You know. So much of it weird, is about it? sort of dreaming the. Well, it's so much of it is about considering something an option, right? And I think if you're if you do come from a privileged background, like capital P privileged background, yeah, like yeah. a kind of a you know a whatever a yeah. wealthy background or whatever. And I wonder if you just consider far more things an option than most people do. Do you Maybe, know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, so, yeah. so there is, it's almost a kind of, not exactly entitlement. I mean, I'm sure that's part of it. But I always sort of think the kinds of people who start businesses in their 20s yeah. must come from a background where, oh, that's just an option. You just start a business. You know, whereas I feel yeah, like yeah, if we, you're if you're inverted commas normal, yeah, you yeah. don't even consider that an option. So even though or it less might, than normal, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it, even though something like that yeah. might be possible, yeah. you're not aware that it's one of the options. No, not at all. No, and the idea of business and doing your own business and stuff was like that would be a million miles away from the way we think. You know, um, my my dad was. I mean, they were both very clever. You know, my dad was very clever in that way, but yeah, just never. It was very much working for the firm and. Doing, you know, doing your day's work and coming home and all that kind of stuff. And like, I remember being in the back of the car and I was working at Morrison's, and um, and I was like sixteen and I got one pound ninety an hour. And I remember, I can't remember exactly what I was saying. But it was something about wanting to dye my hair, maybe or something like that. And and I just remember my mum and dad being, my dad driving them. They both saying, "You must conform. You must conform." <laughs> So you can see that in like a Terry Gilliam film or yeah, something. Is that a real memory? It's mad, isn't it? it's mad. No, no, it's a real. Yeah, that's what life's like up north, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, but I, so I think there was this sort of you know. And how did you at the same time a lot of encouragement to do shows and stuff like that? Okay. And to be to write and from both of them. That seems in very odd. different ways. Yeah, Change know. of that central message. How do you? How did it make you feel? Do you remember? Did you in that memory of them saying you must conform? Do you, well, do you I mean, associate a feeling with that on your part? Yeah, I guess it, it comes in my head when I... Well, it's, interesting. it's like my wife is from a much... Sorry, to finish that sentence, it comes in my head when, I'm, when I feel trapped, maybe, or when I feel, you know, like things aren't working out or whatever. I feel like I'm back there, you know? But um, my wife uh, comes from a better background <laughs> in that sense, <laughs> in a class, you know? Um, and I, I think they're just more... Yeah, they're, they've all... You know... Cat's mum, who, who's great, you know, if something angers her, she does something about it, do you know what I mean? Or if something's not right, you know, like kind of having a word about stuff or writing a letter, you know, which she likes, she writes a lot of letters, that kind of thing, you know, um, which I think is great, but it's just, it, it's weird how it just isn't in my blood, you know. Um, so, yeah, to, to do acting was a massive leap for, for me. And no one in my family had ever done anything like that. Um, so I saw myself, I'm not sure when it happened, but as doing this big thing, you know, uh, uh, this big leap towards becoming this sort of posh figure, you know. Bizarre, isn't it? So it was, and then once so, I got to Manchester, they, 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 so yeah, they all saw me like Fergus when he first met me, thought, 
They all thought I was like this aristocratic. It's bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> were so you I think affecting, I sort of talk like that. Well, I was going to say, were you little, affecting your voice? Yeah, yeah. I'm still being like, funny and silly, and you know, yeah. still the. Yeah. But there's something about affecting that voice which could almost, at student level, it could kind of seem like that's the real me, and I, you know, let it yeah, yeah. it in. Oh, what the, the what's the real me? The posh, the posh, the posh voice. Do you think if they thought you, they felt you were aristocratic somehow, or is it just because you're tall? Maybe it's because I'm tall. I, I don't know. I think I just had so much confidence somehow when I first started there. First, and I tell you what, the first thing we did was amazing. It was just the whole term was just improvising characters. And I did this kind of, I guess, a sort of Anna Man, but a bloke who was a sort of old sort of, you know, posh git kind of thing who had this young man that he was sort of, uh, you know, uh, who the other guy whose name was John was playing this kind of dark character. It was sort of a Joe Orteney sort of relationship, you know. And then at the end of the term, we just had a party in character. And I, we were drinking water, and I got drunk. It was amazing. Oh my! It's like God. Sci- it's a psychological thing, isn't it? They can give you like, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> they can give you like fake alcohol, and you think it's real. And I was so, and I was just being fucking horrible, and just like this narcissist. Or maybe it was my true self. I don't know, but like, yeah. So yeah. Do you feel you were just in in terms of that anecdote? I'm fascinated by mm. that. Do you feel you were playing well with others when you were getting drunk? Or do you feel you were kind of being a virtuoso, sort of scene-stealing kind of actor? I guess probably they'd say that. <laughs> In my mind, well, it was being funny. It was just be, seeing how rude I could be to the others at this party, you know. Because that was the sort of attitude I put on for the party, was that he was a guy who, if he was there... Which weirdly I get from people in my family, actually, bizarrely. They can be quite, uh, I think, the sort of cutting sense of humour that can be quite, uh, which I actually fight against being, you know, I really don't want to be that kind of um, putting people down kind of thing, you know. Um, but you feel that's at your fingertips? You feel like that's uh, Always, kind of... always. As you genuinely, when I first started doing comedy, I used to come off and think, right, what did I say that was too nasty? Where did I go too far? Do you know what I mean? It's constantly like raining in. And that's why Anna I kind of trust because even though she does say those sort of things, she's sort of lovely (laughs) at heart. Do you know what I mean? She is warm and she does care and all that stuff. So this is Colin. I'm having huge fun talking to him, as you can hear. We'll get back to this interview very soon because there is so much of it and so much more to talk about. Um, I'm so grateful to Colin for coming on the show. It really it really was just one of those ones that I knew it'd be great and I really enjoyed it and now I think it's great. So I'm looking forward to listening back to this a few years from now and going, oh yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> so sorry if that's uh, blowing my own trumpet too much. Really, it's Colin's trumpet that I'm blowing. Let's move on from that concept. Now, uh, as I mentioned at the top, the tour continues apace. Can something continue apace when it's only just started? Yeah, I suppose it can. That is the only time a tour can continue apace. Um, I have been in Leicester, Maidenhead and Crawley, and they've all been great. And the second halves where I do the kind of workshop of new material have also all been great, which makes me feel like there's a rocky one out there somewhere because they can't all just keep doing this. But I'm having so much fun. So do go to comedianscomedian.com forward slash tour to find out where you can see me next. And I can tell you now that the next one's coming up are Oxford, Dublin, Nottingham, Reading, Corsham, Bristol, Bath, Norwich, Northampton 
and Warwick Arts Centre, and then there's still loads to go after that, but those will do us for now. No, in fact, I'll tell you now, because it'll take four seconds. Shrewsbury, Swindon, Farnham, Aldershot, Sheffield, York, Newcastle, Leeds, Southampton, Cambridge, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Birmingham, Brighton, London, Tring and Cardiff. Why not sling Tring in there at the end? That's part of the Tringe Festival. So I hope you will come along and support me at those shows and more. No, I don't want you to come along and support me. I want you to have listened to the album Compared to What, which I gave away free last week. And as so many of you have done, thank you. Send me very nice emails saying how much you enjoyed it. Uh, If you enjoyed it and you'd like to hear a show that, as far as I'm concerned, is even better than that. And I'm very proud of that one. But this one's better. It's called Like I Mean It. And you can come along and bring a bunch of mates and come and see it and have a really fun night. I'm uh, I'm just really proud of it. And I, I just I feel like before the show every night, I'm kind of going, oh, oh, here goes. Here goes again. I mean, they've all been great so far. And it just keeps being great. But look, this is post amble stuff, and we'll get back to the interview in a mo. Um, don't say mo, Goldsmith. Who says mo? Do you know the other day I said, what did I? I used the expression scarf. I said to my wife, let's get home, scarf some cheese on toast, and go out. And she went, who says that? And I, I thought, I think it's a real word. I used it as if it's a, a little bit of I don't know what, a little bit of sort of Cockney Welk slang. I've got no idea. Anyway, let's let's uh, let's try and um, I'm doing this too early in the morning. That's the issue. So before we get back in, just a couple of thanks. I've had some terrific emails. Uh, Ben has sent me some suggestions for people to interview, including Matt Ewins. Well, I bloody will as soon as he agrees to it. Um, We all want to hear from Matt. Uh, Thanks to some more emails recently. I've got some donations. Ben donated. Uh, Who donated here? Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. And uh, someone else, Dave, donated. And a few more people have set up some uh, subscription payments. If you would like to support the podcast as these fine people are doing, then you can do that at comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate. Uh, the adverts that I run on this show are occasional and uh, the far more usual is me just whamming it out there for free and putting a lot of time and effort into it and relying upon the kindness of people who used to be strangers until they got in touch. So if you want to support the show, you can do that. Chuck me 20 quid with a one-off donation, or if you'd like, you can... Uh, you can, Well, I mean, you can chuck me anything as a one-off donation, or press cash into my hand in the street and say something cool. Three people did that at Leicester Comedy Festival, and I enjoyed it enormously. Um, so that is that. Also, there's been some really good correspondence on the recent episodes, and the Facebook group seems to have just gone wild since I... Mentioned it in passing a few episodes ago. Um, We're having loads and loads of people joining. I may take on some help to moderate it, but I am still very much involved in it. Someone, after the Ferrari died down, someone posted, uh, are you you still going to be here, Stu? And I I am still going to be there. I do very much enjoy talking to you all. And um, I really like the opportunity not just to have you suggest guests, but also people have been posting about uh, sort of cross-promoting episodes with other podcasts, people they've heard on other podcasts, that they think there's an element of it that would appeal to to uh, ComCom listeners. There's some recommendations for people. Someone finally got the message about Andy Daly and is posting, hey, where can I get hold of review? Um, we've had a couple of suggestions as to what people are watching on TV that the rest of us might like. Someone's asking, who are your favourite comedy writers? That's had loads and loads of replies tribute comedians that whole thing's going off again so listen if you want to be part of that community it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash comedians comedian podcast 
and uh, and I think there's lots to enjoy there. I think that's everything I need to tell you for now. I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode with the absolutely wonderful Colin Holt. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So you met Fergus at, at Manmet. Yes. And you yeah. went on to form a sketch And Dave. Dave group. And Dave. Yeah, yeah. So you and Fergus formed the double act. Was that the first foray into kind of professional comedy yeah. outside of it? Yeah. Talk, talk to me about what you learned from that double act. Oh. Uh... <laughs> uh, the answer might be nothing, but rather than just what tell me about your double act, what did you? Yeah, what did you learn? What did you? Because I think if if Anna Man is your current breakthrough thing, yeah, and it feels like the components of her, one of them is that the fact that 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 kind of suppressed um, sharpness or, or mm. meanness is that's an element of her. The warmth is an element of her. The kind of mm. drama background is an element of her. Yeah, I'm yeah. just wondering as we kind of get there. What sort of things did you... Because the, the sketch that I remember, the first time I saw Fergus and Craig was in The Greek Tales. For Colin and Fergus. Colin, sorry, Fergus, Fergus and, and Craig. Craig. Yeah, 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 I think, I think at the time act. I was yeah, yeah. permanently editing you out of it by yeah, yeah. constantly yeah, saying yeah. that. But the, the, well, in, so was he, that was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. The In The Greek Tales sketch, I yeah, yeah, still yeah. think of that. That's still an earworm yeah. for me. Well, we, 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 we did that when we were uh, in uh, Tanzania, weirdly. <laughs> That's when we first started working together. We did this on the third year... At um, at drama school, we all went. There was this chance. It was actually turned out it was a bit of a mad, random thing actually, where this guy director wanted to put a play on in Tanzania, and it turned out he was a bit. He was this kind of jovial, posh kind of. Rah! And it turned out he didn't really have a passport and all this kind of okay. stuff. But he and just got in touch with the college. It was and all said, of, get me some students. Yeah, and yeah, this yeah. Seems good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And it, but it was amazing. It was in this thing called uh, what was it Latasha? Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to say it right, but it's like this the East African biggest sort of festival and they have all, like the Edinburgh Festival for like Tanzania and the surrounding countries, basically. It's huge. And um, yeah, we ended up doing this show. And, you know, there was these amazing, like these street kids called the Usinga Boys who could do this like, you know, they, they'd been taken off the street to learn to dance. So they were amazing, you know, and there were these... Uh, the, the Zawasi family, who were sort of like, I think they did stuff with Paul Simon and stuff. So there was all these amazing African act, uh, you know, Tanzanian actors and dancers and stuff. And then there were us like six sort of like British people who were just like, oh, I sort of do a voice, or you know, like, <laughs> like just so crap. 
But so me and Ferg ended up doing this thing called Bill and Ken, which was literally, uh, it, well, it became these two northern blokes, you know, we were kind of, um, do you remember the day we met Bill, all that kind of stuff? You know? Yeah. It's based on our tutors, basically. But they started off just Ferg going, Bill, over here! Because <laughs> it was sandy, I'd run to him and then slip over in the sand. And that was it. That was literally <laughs> the gap. And we'd go, Ken! Ken! That's why I was Ken, he was Bill. But anyway, um, yeah, what were we saying? So what, what yes, you so theatre group so came up yes. with the, oh, the, the tales one tales night thing. while we were all stoked there. Okay. And we just started doing it. And actually one of the best lines, which was, I want to have sex with my mum, I have to say now on record, was actually a, a guy there, his name's Al Bevan. <laughs> he actually came up with that. And I've never acknowledged <laughs> never or given him any money. credited or acknowledged. But, but then, um, yeah, we came up with that. And then I went away and... Uh, was going for a very dark time where I was with a girl, my girlfriend at the time uh, in Wakefield. Um, she was studying at Bretton Hall and then she kind of... Um, there was just this weird situation where she ended up going home and I was left in Wakefield on my own in a house for two weeks, which was a nightmare, you know, with no job or anything after I'd left drama school. So I... And I wrote... I just... Oh, no, that was it. It was all coming out now, wasn't it? I, I went, got in touch with Contact Theatre. Do you know the Contact yes, Theatre in Manchester? Yes, yeah. Because I saw about a comedy night and I thought I'd give it a go. And it was... Um, and they got me on and, and then they phoned me up the day before and said, um, by the way, and I wrote all this stuff that was like um, taking that song... And then I added the second bit was all the stuff about Morrissey. And, do you remember that? Yeah, just, I don't remember that bit. Because it was all like in the Greek tales. That yes, like, it's a sort of a, a kind of a, a husband and wife I with was, the version yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. seeded throughout it was this sort of darker implication about their relationship. Yeah, yeah he was, um, she was, she was uh, replaced his first wife, Philippa, who was beautiful but died. <laughs> yes, who was beautiful but <laughs> that died. Was the set, yeah. yeah. But I was writing that, but then I um, got a phone call from them and they said, oh, we're very excited about you coming along. They didn't know me or anything. And they went, oh, by the way, you can win. Um, just want you to know that the winner of the, com- it was a kind of competition, gets to do like the biggest black and Asian night in Hackney, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, but I, oh, right. I'm not black or Asian, you know. And they're like, oh, are you not? I was like, no. I was like, oh, you can't really do it then. I was like, okay. So that was, that was that. <laughs> But that was, but that that because of that, so I never did it. But you'd already started writing that; you'd had a deadline, yeah. so it didn't matter if yeah, you yeah. didn't happen. Yeah, okay. so the deadlines are good, aren't they? And then I ended up going back, then I ended up moving to London uh, to to meet up with Fer- to to do stuff with Ferg, and we did Bill and Ken for a while, and then I had that, and then we we sort of developed that from there, and Fergus did Sarah, and I was Peter, and yeah, and and yeah, I mean, I I really try not to copy it obviously you know for Anna I'd see her as a very different because she was the inspiration for her was from a very different world from a real actress um but yeah the, the you know I think definitely from the the stuff we used to do the silly stuff I think I probably lost a bit with the Carnival of Monsters maybe although it's still silly in a way but it was silly, but the darkness was far more important. Yeah, maybe, it. yeah, yeah, and there was a mm, to it. But so, I think the silliness has come back more, which is nice. But, so uh, tell me if this is a lazy comparison to draw, but mm. did the darkness of the Carnival of Monsters, and that was like three shows in a row? Yeah, Was yeah. it three years yeah, in a row, yeah. Edinburgh? Was that darkness simply kind of an enjoyable, grand guignol, kind of like, well, I'm into creepy stuff, or 
or did it reflect a kind of a darker preoccupation of you and your All happiness that, at the time? That yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> talk, talk to it me about that. It sort of came out of. Um, uh, I, what had I done? I'd just done. Well, I'd sort of sort of stopped working with Ferg, and that had kind of become. You know, and I couldn't handle it anymore for various reasons. I couldn't. I mean, it's tricky because it's, it's you know. I haven't seen Ferg for a while, and then recently we have started to see each other again, which has been great. Um, but you know, it was it was just uh, it, it did fall apart. But it, it's very hard for me to tell because Ferg can be, as I've been sharp and harsh, he can definitely be that, you know, which doesn't help my being sharp. Sharp, sorry, sharp, kind of, sorry, you know sorry, mate. Sharp, yeah. <laughs> That's it, baby. You know, what I was about being. You know, saying the thing that's just a bit too nasty. Yes. And I say, I worry about that. You know, Ferg's master at that stuff. He's know. very good. He's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, you know, it can be very funny, but it can also, even though I was the closest person to him pretty much, I wouldn't know whether it was real or not, you know, so I would come away quite, ooh. Yeah. Um, uh, but then there's also an element to me, I think, that's, the, you know, from my, my own mental brain that's paranoid and, you know, struggles working, thinks, you know, thinking I wasn't doing as well in the act and all that stuff. and Out of the know, two of Yeah, you. yeah, and right. I wasn't really getting any castings and work. And I've even though when I look back, like with Theatre Group, you know, I had the lion's share of the lines and, and I wrote, you know, the initial stuff. And he did write a lot on it as well. But, you know, it was very much my thing initially. And it was somehow I turned that in my head into I'm just standing there while he does, does faces. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's weird. So I don't know even now how much... It was my fault. <laughs> and how it doing? So yeah. I can't say or, you know. But, um, yeah, so I was... And then I, I ended up working in a call centre, which was horrible because I hadn't had to do that for a few years. And uh, just fucking going out of my head, you know. And let, let's not... I, I was... I, I kind of... Re, I remembered the other day, you know, yeah. we sometimes we're coming back to the kind of parenting thing and, like, get money, that kind of... Yeah, 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 I think about all the time, you know, we bumped into each other in Edinburgh this year. Yeah. And you had the double buggy. Yeah, And yeah. I was like, how's it going, man? And you were like, well, I think I've been driven insane by the need to get money. And that <laughs> sentence, I, I think that to myself <laughs> once a day since we met. So... Yeah, I, but I think I've probably always had it. You know, I think there's some people... I spoke to someone... Uh, uh, I probably won't say their name. <laughs> um, but they said how they, oh, I just let someone else, like, bring in the money. I just make sure there's enough money for me to do whatever I want. I was like, you. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, as in, oh, no, I don't worry about money because I just make yeah. sure someone else pays for stuff for me. Yeah. Like, but they're not a rich person, necessarily. They're not a posh, you know, it's not like a trust fund or anything. It's just... You know. Crazy. I, I look forward to finding out who that person is and dig even deeper into it. It may surprise you. But yeah. um but I was thinking more recently, I was thinking, um, you know, when you do idly daydream about like, okay, this this is enough now. This is just enough now. We've paid the rent, this is enough. Yeah, yeah. Is it gonna be enough in six months? Is it gonna be enough in six years? Is it gonna be enough because the kid's getting bigger and yeah, maybe yeah. there'll be another kid, who knows? And yeah. they, they you know, they all consume stuff. And one of the things I was thinking was, you know, if I were to try doing something else additionally or instead of some of the yeah, some yeah. things I'm doing now, part of me is like, I, I suddenly had this flash of remembering what it felt like to be effectively an out-of-work actor. 
to remember yeah, right, what yeah. it felt like to be like I was doing street shows. I wasn't really satisfied with that anymore, and it was right. it was okay. It was it was paying the bills, but is it that was... how you started then? With yeah, street yeah, stuff? yeah, yeah, right, okay, yeah, yeah. I did lots of uh, street shows at the Edinburgh Festival for all for summers. It'll be my twenty fifth Edinburgh this year. Kind of. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, uh, I would do street shows and then make money in the hat and I would, after I'd paid for everything I needed to pay for, I would spend all of that money going to see comedy shows at Edinburgh. Uh-huh. So I, every night I'd see three yeah, or four yeah. shows using all the hat money. Um, and this is pre-free friends. So kind of spending idyllic. A fortune. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, was yeah. a very, it was a very, very happy time. Yeah, yeah. But non-festival, like the other yeah. 11 months of the year, there was a, there was that kind of cold place and I have to remember sometimes when people send me very nice emails about this show or, you know, yeah. Their, their own hopes and aspirations within comedy to remember that perhaps the place they're in now is that very scary, cold place of yeah, going, yeah. what is my thing? What do I do? What if I can't think of a thing to do? You know what I mean? Like, as soon as, as, soon yeah, as I did yeah. my first ever stand-up gig in, like, two, 2004, that was the first one ever, I remember thinking, oh, thank God. Like, oh, really? I found my thing. Oh, okay. And yeah. have you sort of felt that since? Have you... Yes, on, on and off. There are, right. you know, I got in at 4am this morning for a gig in North Yorkshire, yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. you're not always yeah, on a carpet yeah. and stuff. Because I still question all the time, and that's I very do annoying. Still, I yeah, do yeah. still question it all the time, but I, I think the point I'm making is that when I was very recently questioning it, I was having to remind myself, yeah, but if you were to try and do something else... You would need, however briefly, to go back into the world God, of yeah, yeah, yeah. what the hell do I do? Yeah, yeah. And I suppose I am, I am comfortable now that I haven't been in that place for a good while. So you, I'm just kind well, of that was that place exactly. But it, but it was, what it was chosen to. as well because I'd chosen that I didn't want to carry on with the double act. I was still sort of working with Fergus. We were like it wasn't that official, but I, it would basically petered out to nothing. And I eventually, I think I sent him an email which I. Deeply regret now. I'm glad I hope he never shows it me or anything. Fuck. But um, do you remember that bit of the American Office? Did you watch the American yeah, Office? Yeah, where he sort of sets up his own business. Okay. And he convinces it. Pam and someone else. Maybe it's like Kevin. I was like, oh no, it's Ryan, the temp. And he says, uh, are you like, screw you, I'm setting up my own office. You know, and he, he, I'm going to be the manager of my own thing. And it's literally the next day she turns around and she's really like, come on, let's do this. And he's like in his pants crying. <laughs> What have I done? <laughs> I can't do this. I haven't got any money. I don't know what I'm doing, you know. And, uh, so I think I, I felt like that at the time. I remember being in Woolworths and, and looking through some DVDs or something and thinking, what am I? I've been in Woolworths for like an hour in Crouch End when there's still Woolworths. Um, but yeah, but then I, I started actually, I, that was a point where I was like, right. Because I, I think the, the downside with me and Fergus, we were both, I, I think we, we were kind of prolific, but we we're also kind of lazy. And we're also a little bit like crammers, as in you do it at the last minute and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so, for example, you know, I never did any competitions. I never really did. I wish I had, you know, I wish I had. Or like, say, like doing street stuff, I wish I'd built up that. But it was almost like it was kind of handed to me pretty quick. And then me and Fur got with Avalon pretty quick, you know, which obviously there's all sorts of things to say about Avalon. But, like, you know, they they got us to Edinburgh straight away and they, do you know, it was mm-hmm. something that people, I forget people have, Striven, striven, strove for, striven, striven, strived. <laughs> People have strived for for years, you know, just to get to get a meeting with someone like that, you know. And it's like, uh, anyway, but yeah, I suddenly in that that enforced position of like, what do I do now? And then so I started doing like creative writing course, open university, 
Oh, right. And okay. It was genuinely where it all changed for me. Okay. Was, Talk to me about that. I've never had anyone mention that first, before. Yeah. The first, it was Lenny Henry. <laughs> I remember reading, did an open university in English and he just got it. It took him like t- 10 years because he was doing other stuff, but he was still, you know, wanted to get a degree in English. And I thought, well, that's a nice idea, you know. Um, and I still had a bit of money. I'd just done Al Murray's multiple personality show, which I was in. And that was like loads of money. And then it just nothing else came in. So it was just like watching that money become nothing. Um, and then my wife did a um, psychology thing out of the blue, which she hasn't particularly carried on, but it was, it was she loved doing it, you know. Um, I thought I'd do, I'd do this because you can buy a unit. You can sort of buy, at the time, it was only about 60 quid for one unit, you know. So I thought, well, that's a unit of teaching. A unit, yeah, like a. Yeah six weeks of teaching or something like that you know and you'd get a load of, and just the characters on the web you know you'd have to go on this website where you'd get a sort of forum you know chat room of people who were all writers and I remember this one and there was stuff I just literally put in the show you know there's this you remember, screen I don't even remember, cut paste yeah it was, yeah. Uh, it was uh, this, do you remember I did a character called Mike who he sort of merged into that Nick character now but he was kind of like uh, come on Mike that guy yes was, yeah I remember him yeah uh, and he literally said something like uh, oh, what is that I'm, I'm, he's the one I'm, I'm a 31 I'm a normal bloke that one <laughs> I live in Staffordshire you know he's all these kind of just facts about himself <laughs> this is what someone had put you know and so I remember someone put I'm only in this because my wife has died and I want to tell her family's history I'm not interested in anything weird <laughs> it's just such a bizarre thing to say you know and um I remember we had to read a Miss Hemingway thing, and, and he and then he like said, "I don't understand this, and I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know about my." It was like, yeah, sad. I suppose we were, we were, that course was sort of solving his horrific tragedy that he couldn't, you know. But, but yeah. sorry, go on. Let me. I'll let you finish there. Well, yeah, but so so the creative writing thing was what. It, and the first thing I wrote, I'd write a one-page monologue, and I wrote about a man in a bush one day, you know. I spent the greatest day of my life hiding in a bush, you know, and it was this... And that became, like, the opening of the Carnival Monsters show, or is one of the bits of the top. You, so, yeah. I think one of your superpowers, and I must stop mm. using this terminology because now that superheroes are completely infecting all culture, yeah, yeah. but one of, one of your big skills is in spotting those things because... Mm. Like, uh, that's the sort of, the, that thing, you, you know, Mike, I'm staffing, I don't want anything weird. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, that's one of those things, like, that once you mention it, it seems obvious that that's incredibly weird and, and yeah. suggests a whole life beyond it. But it's not something necessarily that most people it, It's quite hard on. to get right, though. It's interesting, because if you say it at the wrong time, people go, oh, that's not very nice. Do you know what I mean? Or people go, oh, poor bloke. And you go, no, 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 he's not... Yeah, yeah. I'm not being mean. I'm not, you know, you know it's not... I, I think it is, I was watching... Have you seen Hard Labour, Mike Leefield? No. Watching that yesterday, I never said it's got the the grand from the royal family in it, but a long time ago when she was I don't know, whatever she is forty in it, and it's it's just a, it's seeing a woman going through their life and just she's a cleaner and everyone shouts at her and then the husband's always like come on what are you doing come on where's my tea you know and it's just the idea that her life is hard labour you know and it's so funny and so bleak but it's just watching people. You know, it's, it's it kind of like I've always liked Mike Lee, but I always found the idea of it a bit pretentious. The way other actors would talk about it, you know, like oh, it's literally you just made a cup of tea. And it's, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I under, it's sort of like it, I watched it literally yesterday, and it really clicked for me. Just that is it. That is just watching. You, you know, what I mean? it's those tiny little things they say, 
Um, and, and your ability... Not to... the big thing. And, and the, Sorry, the tr- tricky thing, because at the minute I'm writing sitcoms and I'm trying to get them off the ground and all that, and it's very tricky to, to marry the two. And I think, it's, for example, the royal family does it. But then when you've got to do a plot and you've got to have long lost brother comes home or, you know, or like uh, the lost wallet or something like that. And suddenly it's not real anymore, do you know what I mean? Suddenly it's come out of the Mike Lee thing. But you need it in order to do that, you know, classic... You know, if you try and do a classic friend style where you've got the teaser and the three acts and then the thing at the end and all that, you need that kind of boom, boom, boom beat. But, um, yeah, that's the, that's the hardest thing for me is keeping that magical, real... Not magical realism, but, you know, the actual real Mike Lee, Colin Holt... <laughs> but then also sort of selling it as a as a sitcom script you know anyway sorry no 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 not anyway this is exactly <laughs> all of that yeah, stuff yeah. is exactly what yeah, you yeah. want so are well, you writing this down yeah <laughs> you're recording it absolutely that's why you record it yeah. <laughs> okay. the um so your your skill i think one of your skills is in recognizing those little those little things which reveal so much more of a character Thank because you. that's when I think of someone like when I think of Anna. It's Mann, good to hear that because that yeah. makes me think I need to, yeah, I need to remember, remind myself of that. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I, some of the things that I think of with Anna Mann, who for those who haven't seen her, is uh, a female actress. Yes, ex. The only kind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a female ex actor, and uh, and she is. It's not drag. As you said, it's you playing a woman. Yeah. But something uh, my friend Tash Goldstone, uh, comedian mm. Tash Goldstone, said uh, earlier is that she loves the way that you you're not sending up. You're not. The joke isn't that you're a bloke in a dress. No. In never, any way, that, never, she's never, a very never. rich. And sometimes complex. I've accidentally done something like that. You know, that kind of I'm a lady, the little Britain thing. Sure. You know, and then sort of immediately gone. No, you know, because it's a look, little Britain's funny, but it's for Anna. That's not what it is. You know, she is real. Yes, even if you invited her in. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I she's love here. it. I love it. Maybe she'll come late. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that is yeah. that is lovely seeing your physicality just change there. You're yeah. sitting like Anna now. Just oh, for she's a more confident than I am. You know, I'm quite. I kind of tend to squirm a bit. You know, it's funny. I've done an Anna gig. I come home. People go, "You're really tall, aren't you?" You know. Well, I say people. I come home. I don't know <laughs> and all these people are there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in my house? <laughs> no, but. Uh, and yeah. your wife is because Anna tools, because Anna well, stands or other people, you know, when, when I have a drink afterwards or whatever. I don't know. That's it's so maybe, weird. Maybe Anna. I think Anna is that man, like Jeremy Irons, but now a woman that I wanted to be. <laughs> I've finally got there. She's the actress. It's act- the only way I can to, do it. You don't get to be Jeremy Irons, but you get to live as if you're Jeremy Irons. Yeah. Effectively. But, but a woman. But a woman. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So the... The details of Anna are what gives her that kind of richness and that complexity and makes her such such an exciting character to watch. And I want to talk to you about the crowd work aspects of her because I mm. think your crowd work as Anna is phenomenal. And I think the... And again, that's something, that's something we say in our household and to our son. It's, you know, I mean, he is sort of getting too old now for us to be able to go, oh, fuck off. <laughs> Without there being you know, yeah, yeah, long-lasting yeah. implications. Yeah. But the, the crowd work you did of, like, the little happy rabbit yeah, and yeah. I see you snake yeah. and kind of really owning the space and owning the audience in the most indestructible-seeming way from a from a point of view of like watching you as a performer does she have bad gigs ever it does an audience ever get the better of anna 
it's quite hard for me to imagine that happening. Not really, no. No, I mean, I, had, I have gigs where I come out and I feel disappointed because it, sometimes it's descended to something that's a bit naff, you know, like any gig can, can't it, you know, um, where you're just sort of saying rude things or whatever, you know, but it's still Anna just, don't you dare and all that kind of thing, you know, and, and <laughs> getting very angry at them when they go wrong or not. But yeah, I think she's able to control most situations. I did have one recently where this, they were just absolutely hammered on the front and it was quite a smallish gig. So there's loads of people who weren't at all. And it was just in the end, and I just, you know, I just sat down and it was just sort of, what are you doing? What are we, why are we doing this? <laughs> and it became, you know, sometimes Anna really works where, it, where I just get her to sit down. If people are being, you know, and rather than have a go at them or try and make them feel bad, try and just, Come on, let's talk about this. Let's hear. <laughs> let's because I know it's going to be probably funnier than. Can anyone light. get under the skin of Anna? Do you ever have people try and point out that you're a bloke? It's like no, stuff aggressive... like that. It's always like, come on, we're better than that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my first ever, pro- <laughs> first ever That's proper so gig. Bulletproof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. First ever proper gig as Anna was at um, up the creek, and it was when Simon Pierce was doing it. Yeah, and this bloke just shouted out, "Not funny." And then he went, gay! <laughs> but the audience... And that was when I was just wearing a feather boa. You know, that was nothing. But imagining they were seeing this, this 60-year-old woman. But um, they, uh, the audience were really lovely then and sort of just told them to shut up. Um, so, yeah. So how has Anna developed then? Because I, I remember seeing you when Anna was just a feather boa. But yeah. I remember seeing Anna... Do you yeah. mean it didn't look like you in a film? Oh, right. Okay, so yeah, it does absolutely. work, you yeah, see. It does work. It does. It's just it video. It's just... Yes. Video cameras lie. Yes. Well, because it's... I mean, it's a classic the, problem of kind of sketch theatre, isn't it? Yeah, what, the, yeah, yeah. The, the assumptions shit that we make. <laughs> it looks shit, I'll tell you. I mean, it can easily it do. Problem. Because there's, but, the charm is all flattened. Mm. So the it's not theatre. You yeah, know, it's yeah, like yeah. if you watch one of those kind of RSC plays, except they filmed it, but it's still staged like a play. Yeah. It looks kind of crap. Even yeah, if the yeah, acting's yeah. good, you're like, well, this is sort of a fly. Yeah. So, so I think, certainly watching it live, and I do, I do think it's really interesting that that thing, I remember... At the time, you recording little things on YouTube and releasing things of you as Andy or you as Anna, yeah, and and putting them out. And I remember thinking, "Good for you! You've got off your arse." Yeah. Not that I was thinking Colin put something yeah. arse, but you know, what I mean? I thought, come on, Colin. This is <laughs> this is a typically Colin yeah. thing to do to put a lot of work into something which may not necessarily have a return. Yeah. To go right, I'm going to re- release a load of and stuff. I am thousands YouTube. of pounds in debt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it's working. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but you to put the stuff out there. It not necessarily, you know, obviously we're all hoping the stuff we put on YouTube goes viral, has an effect. But it is, it's really uh, encouraging, it's really heartening to hear that you put that stuff out there and the world responded by someone said, I quite like this, is there something we can do with it? Yeah, Because you bothered writing funny original material and doing it well in your living room with no budget. I often question doing those, you know, especially when you see it's got like, 800 hits yeah. so you go, oh okay but it, it, you know my agent a while the previous agent but was saying like you know I send them to people and we use them and you know it does help um, so it's worth doing so talk to me about how Anna has changed from when you started doing obviously the like visually there's a change but like did certain components of that character come later than others or was she fully formed from that she, she was pretty fully formed she was based on a real person I met in a green room 
who said to me, uh, I, I was, I think I was 28 or something. I was reading uh, Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky in this green room over a radio thing. I was like a tiny part, like three lines. And she came in late with a bandana and, and not a feather boa, but, you know, just stuff, coffees and bags and stuff. And then she rah, 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 you know, and sat down and she went, uh, sort of noticed me and went, what are you reading, darling? What are you reading? And I said, I'm reading uh, Dostoevsky. And she went, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> she did, literally said, fuck off, I love it. And then I was like, and she was like, how old are you? And I said, I'm 28. And she went, fuck off, I like you, you know. It was great. And then that, so it's sort of all there. It's sort of all been there. I'd say what has changed, one thing that's changed is when I start, did the Edinburgh show and the, when I started filming it, I think I de-aged her a bit. So she was... Yes, she was a little of, bit more talcum powdery, I think. Yeah, really, yeah, but yeah. I just felt those actors, those actors are really old now, if not yeah. dead. Yeah. <laughs> and I think she's actually more... She would have been around in, in actually the, the 70s and 80s, the punk time. She's more... She's like her, Helen Mirren or... Uh, um, you know, she would have been in what's his name? Who's that guy who did Derek Jarman films and stuff like that? Okay, yeah. so I think that's where she's from. So she's and Vivian Westwood, you know. And I'll tell you what it was, it was getting that leather jacket, that horrible silver leather jacket yes. that I got from, from the comedy unit who filmed this thing. They've just got loads of old stuff, and that has sort of become quite iconic for me now because it's better than if you wear like a dress, it sort of shows you look yes. like a dame. Do you know yes, what I mean? Yes, yes, whereas a Tight black skirt and a black top is good, but then the leather jacket's good, I think, because even though it might make you look more blokey in some ways, it's kind of it's sort of sexy. So she's become a lot sexier. Yes, and it kind of reads that you've thought about it as well. It's not yeah. just a dress. It's not the fur. It's not room one, is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the dame thing would be that kind of more of a headdress type, maybe you know, and. Um, don't know what you know sort of if it was a, a fancy thing with lots of jewels and gems i think she was more that way originally she was more that kind of but that's almost the more the sort of uh betty davisy type of thing isn't it but yeah so she's become a bit younger and a bit sexier <laughs> and and also the the political thing i've started bringing yes so is... i have to admit i didn't see last year's show Okay. And I've seen the clip you did on Russell Howard yep. on Sky, which yeah. I the, the kind of summoning Hitler. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Graham, which I assume worked. was part yeah, yeah. of that show. Yeah, it completely yeah, yeah. worked. That was it the end of the show. Yeah, yeah, it completely it was worked. His, oh, it was great seeing the comments and stuff the, from proper fascists. Have you seen? No, I haven't. Oh, it's great. It's proper like. Uh, well, what my favourite one was. I've got a line which is, "I've got a weapon sharper than any cannonball." Yeah, which is obviously a joke. Yeah, obviously, yeah, a joke. someone put off, you know, for FFSSSS. A cannonball isn't even sharp. <laughs> Who is this person? And, <laughs> and like, and, and but like all this stuff about, uh, you know, they're calling us fascists because uh, we speak the truth or whatever. You know, and one person said, wow. actually, I think you'll find Af- Antif- Antifa, yes. the anti-fascists, cause a lot more property damage than fascists ever have. It's like, so oh my God. frightening oh my to God. think but that people know? are publicly saying, hey, look, I'm a fascist and I don't, yeah, mean that that's an yeah, acceptable yeah. option. Well, the thing they say now is, you know, well, if if being a fascist is caring about your country, then I'm a fascist. And it's like, no, that's well, no one said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, what you mean is, if being a fascist is being a fascist, then you're a fascist. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Jeez. it's scary stuff, you know, and, and all that genuinely. 
well, because well, I did the depression show and that was what was in my head and bothering me and I wanted to fix. And the show and all the other stuff, my family, and definitely have got me to a much better place with that. And the show did help that, you know. And, and so when I did the fascist one, I wanted to do, she, you know, she had become a kind of um, a voice box for me, a, a way of talking about what genuinely scared me. And at that point, you know, it was Trump and all that stuff, you know. It still is. So if I do a third one, I think it will be about a few things, but I think the environment, you know, the plastic bags in the ocean and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I don't, I like the, the last show I did before I got up to Edinburgh, Burke's Nest, who I did it with, sort of had a word, <laughs> sort of sat me down a bit and went, it's getting a bit too preachy, do you know what I mean? Because it did kind of end with this. Which should pre- last year. What, yeah, yeah. The, the depressing, the cure for the fascist one. The fascist one, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Because um, I think I'd got a bit carried away and was seeing Anna is actually going <laughs> to save the world, you know? Okay. Um, not really that, but I was kind of trying to put in all that, the stuff that someone who was, you know, more of a, uh, I don't know, a proper political comic might put in, but it just didn't feel, it lost what's funny about Anna, which is that she's a fool, you know, that she's a clown, basically. So, and I think it, but I think it was stronger for that, you know, I think it got the message across. There's quite a lot of, stuff in there because within it she plays basically a variety of people kind of brexit type people basically and that and that's and then one, one the, left-wing character that's one great. of the perfect structural things about that show is that mm. you've always done mixed bag character comedy yeah. shows but now she can be playing the characters and it makes sense because she's an actress yeah yeah i mean yeah, is that a happy really coincidence or was that like a light bulb moment where uh, you went, oh but, hang on i can be anna the whole time i can just be anna doing the characters um it was a bit of both, I guess. I guess I was like, I tell you what, I was scared of just doing Anna because I, as I, I think it's become clear, I'm quite scared of committing to one thing. So I was like, I don't want to just be a drag act sort of thing. So I want to make sure that, and also just, you know, for getting more work and stuff, I wanted to show that I do a variety of characters and do want to make any of these into a sitcom kind of thing. But um, so that's what happened. And then, yeah, the first show, it was the idea that it was her therapy group but that took quite a while. And that was actually Phoebe at Burke's Nest who helped that idea. She was the one who was very like, let's make that a thing rather than it just being. And then the second, so with the fascists, we already had that. And then it was the idea that she was doing verbatim theatre where you take down real stories and then perform them, which I always find funny, the idea of that, because there's so much of it. And it's so like, just reading. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but I thought, um, uh, yeah, so that formed a really good, good way of doing it, really. And the what's lovely about that clip on Russell Howard, which I would direct... Are you touring Anna Man? Yeah, you, okay, yeah, about so, to, yeah, yeah. So should we be directing people to that clip online or does that give away the ending of the show? Oh, no, it's fine. Because right. it's, it's, there's an ending after that, which is okay. the kind of explanation. But what I loved about that was that she has sufficient authority to say that's really meaningful... Yeah, you might yeah. not think it is, yeah. but it is. And you'll yeah. get home and you'll think, oh, that was really meaningful. Yeah, like, that is yeah, yeah, yeah. just an incredible yeah. and very funny get-out-of-jail-free card yeah. that then presumably enables you, once you've got that near the end, you yeah. can do and say whatever you like along your Kind of, yeah. Subject. And because sometimes it, they get that I'm becoming a fascist. Yes. But I guess there's quite a few layers in that I'm sort of taking the piss out of someone doing that and thinking it was clever because I don't think it's particularly yes. clever of her to act like a fascist. Sure. But then at the same time, I guess there is, sometimes they do find that a satisfying enough gag, <laughs> so they just laugh at that. But if they're not quite getting that, Anna can then go, you see, it was actually very clever. You know, yes, stuff. yes. 
cleverer than you realise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So when you're writing, to me, when you like you, you've kind of spoken about writing sitcoms, getting trying to get pictures, trying to get things made. Did that all start with your open university writing? course or was that something you you've kind of been doing the whole time because as a, as a stand-up as someone who yeah. writes like i write all the time but i write for me for stand-up i try and okay. make jokes and kind of put them so you don't try deliberately and... try and write a film or a no i like don't okay. and i i love the idea of it but i find it so bewildering and alien that i never really i've yeah. never quite crossed that bridge of going oh yeah i've got a i've got a script you know i've, I've tried to write a sitcom with a friend of mine um which annoyingly a uh, recent film coming out is pretty much exactly the okay. case that we were doing, yeah, but it was like yeah, yeah. it was our one prized idea that we yeah, were doing. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose I'm representing the uh, the voice of the listener here when I say, "Jesus, how do you even start? Like, what are the what are the rules? What are the, some of the principles of writing that you try to adhere to? Yeah. And what are the principles that are unique to your writing?" Okay. Well, I think uh, I mean I think I've always written. I genuinely think it is a bit of a thing for me a bug that you know i i've always written poems and stuff like that and plays i've always wanted to be writing something but i think and i think that's all well and good and then i think there's also the actual craft which is a lot harder than you think and i think when i was when i was working with ferg and i think a lot of people probably in their 20s have this i was talking to them a while ago and they were about 26 and they're like god the bbc just passed on another bloody idea of mine what's wrong with them you know in, in like you realise nothing gets made and all that kind of stuff. And also you realise that just writing, you know, me and Ferg had this, I hope you won't mind me saying this, but me and Ferg had this script that we wrote because we had an opportunity, you know, to write a pilot of a sketch show. And when I think back to it, I think it was, it was very first draft. You know what I mean? It was, and I think Ferg's always had that and I admire it in him. He's always had that. Well, it's funny. So what's the problem? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which Ricky Gervais, you know, is quite like that. Yeah. Well, it's, well, it's funny, so it should get made. And I think there is truth to that. And I admire the sort of confidence of that. But I think unless you're very lucky, that's not going to work. Do you know what I mean? I think, yeah, it is just funny because it's funny. But I think it's only now I've really come to realise, you know, for example, plotting before you write. Um, knowing where you're going before you write. Otherwise, you can just write shitloads and then you can't remember why, you know. And it's that thing of like, oh, but I really like that line. It's like, yeah, but it has no purpose, you know. It has no... So stuff like that, you know. Um, so in terms of... I'd say read loads of scripts in terms of if people wanted help. <laughs> read loads of scripts and work out how they work and it just keep going over the plan and breaking it down and plot... and and a great thing someone said to me is interrogate interrogate the script or interrogate your writing it's a really is that funny is that really good is that you know not to the point where you can't think anymore and you could you don't know what's good or anything so i think there's that and then it's somehow like i say balancing it with that stuff that you love you know so i love like the divine comedy music and um shakespeare plays and stuff you know and keep somehow keeping the stuff you love within it Okay. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't become generic or whatever. But. So can you think of a... Because um, you know, I know you've got a project away at the moment, which I can feel you're being professionally... Earlier what? on, you were being professionally cagey oh, right. about okay. it. Because you, know, well, you no, don't it's... want to necessarily talk about a thing that isn't... Yeah, well, I mean, finished, it's, it's a sort you know? of second pilot stage. So okay. it's a good... 
Sure. Good place. So without without kind of identifying more of it, it without yeah. identifying enough of it that you feel you're hexing it somehow by yeah, talking yeah. about an unfinished thing. Right, yeah, yeah. But are there elements of that that you have, for example, stuff that you've cut, why have you cut it? Or stuff that you've stuff that has rescued you at the last minute. The stuff when you've had a breakthrough, what was that breakthrough about? Right, what's a what? Um hmm. Honestly, it's work. It's just hard work. It's just going over it and over it. And it's also having someone else to tell you when it's not funny, I guess, helps. But I think it's just a point where you just... You've just put in the hours and it changes. Do you know what I mean? And it's... Sometimes it can be for good reasons. So, for example, there was a kid in it and the producer was like, oh, I don't get kids in because they're really annoying. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really hard, you know. And then taking that out meant the adult character had to sort of fulfil the kid's role, okay. which was really funny, you know. Um, and then, for example, find it, like, so in that script, it's a family sort of based on my Andy character, the Nottingham guys. Yeah. So it was a case of finding, he was, it was really kind of his show, and then it's kind of like accepting it's better, he's funnier if he's not the lead as such, you know. Okay. So it's there's not really a leader such because it's very family, it's very royal family. The thing that I so most the, associate with Andy is him wearing the vest. What's his surname? Andy Parker. Yeah, Andy yeah. Parker. Yeah, I yeah, get yeah. it for now. For <laughs> but so he wears a vest. I think of him talking about the films that he likes and yeah. writing. You know, there's a very funny sketch you've got on YouTube about it's him doing a piece to camera about this script he's written, which is going to be better than Hostel. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's Dr. a good. Giggles. Yeah, yeah. yeah Doctor Giggles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So he's he's ex army and he's like he come back and he's trying to make a name for himself in Hollywood, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he's, he, he's, he's writing he, these Hollywood scripts, you know, which is yeah. sort of based, my brother writes sort of horror. <laughs> <laughs> horror he's based on your which brother. Really good. No, he's, not, he's not actually based on my brother, but he's sort of a, he's a made up, he's, if anything, he's based on a mate's, well, you see, the, the reason why I got me, tri- probably have to change the name is because we did, <laughs> I've got family friends called Park, the, they are the Parkers. Okay. You know? And the show will be called something like The Parkers or yeah. Ben Parkers, you know. And um, the youngest lad, who's like closest to my age, was quite, oh, yeah, was quite uh, in quite an embarrassing way, quite convinced it was about them, you know, which I can understand why. Of course, because you know? it's named for him. Yeah. yeah, but but originally it was it was a guy. Well, you know the one who does karate. Have you ever seen that guy? Yeah, he went from Carnival Monster. He was the yeah. original character, and he um, he was based on a guy I met in a care home who literally came up to me the uh, first day, and I got there, and he was like, I was like, oh, hello, I'm Colin. He's like. Uh, all right, do you do karate? <laughs> it's like his introduction. And he told me this story about, you know, Sensai. I did this match and I'm fighting this 12-year-old kid. And I'm like, is this contact? Is this full contact, Sensai? And he was like, no. I was like, all right. And he kicked me in the leg. I was like, all right, stop the fight, Sensai. So, you know, and it went to a point where he broke the kid's arm. <laughs> and, and, it, and I've never been back since. This is like the first thing he said to me. So that was like, say, observing a character. That was just, you know, I yeah. have all that. And then he became Lem Parker, but I didn't. I never knew the guy's name, so I just used Parker was a name I grew up with, yeah. you know. And Lem was also some a sort of friend of a friend I knew. <laughs> so we just put them together, and then Andy was his brother, so he sort of, he's the one who the ex soldier who does all the stories. So he became yeah. the sort of main one I do, apart from Anna, really. And then obviously it's a family, so it's the Parkers. So they think, say so he thinks it's about him. So I'm gonna have to. Uh, 
have a look at that. It's a shame. Even though I keep Park saying it's not. Name I know. I, know. <laughs> I think we're going to, have to sit down and talk it through. But uh, there's something about I've your accent and his to... accent saying Parker. Yeah, I know worked. it's great, isn't it? Because it's, it's like Parker. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's... My wife came back from your show. I think she's yeah. like twice this year. Going oh, right. back and talking about. Um, oh, yeah, they tried to yeah. sell me an egg and a cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty Yeah, one pound fifty. What's going on? What's that about? You know. So. Do you need to, in the writing process, at what point in that process do you think of the tone of the show? And I mean the tone in terms of like the difference between something like Red Dwarf yeah. or The Smoking Room. Do you know what right. I mean? Or that kind of, do you know what I mean? Like the way you've got like, there's a basic unit of sitcom, there's yeah, split, yeah. there's characters in a situation. At some point, and I've never quite known where that is, it's not something I can kind of talk about from experience, but yeah. I imagine at some point you've got to decide is this the real world? Is this a world where we can transgress the rules of the real world? Oh, definitely, this... yeah. I think that's... You can really see it as well when you write a lot. You can see it in something where you go, no, that... that it's not like that wouldn't have happened because, you know, you can't... In Star Wars, you know, there wouldn't have been spaceships <laughs> or whatever. But, like, you can just see where it's gone. It's lost the, the rules. Do you know what I mean? Where yes. It's, it's, Lord, the uh, Hobbit ones are quite good for that, aren't they? Quite bad for that. In the... Where no one can die. It seems so they can fall off big cliffs and stuff. Have you seen any of the Hobbit films? Yeah, I, I mean they're all a bit painful. Well. Aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> but you know, that kind of thing is a good example where it's like so you've taken away jeopardy really because you don't believe anyone can actually get hurt. Gotcha. So whereas you can watch a Pixar thing where you know no one's going to die horribly, yes, somehow it's. I'd say the best thing to watch for writing is Finding Nemo. I think. You know, and the Toy Story things, which everyone says, but oh, Finding God. Nemo in particular. I mean, Toy Story, perfect. When, in Toy Story 3, when they all think they're going to get melted. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah but you really believe it, don't you? You know, yeah. it's not going to happen, but you're utterly with it. So it's... And I think in terms of writing different kinds of comedy, um, I mean, if I'm honest, I don't think I'm a... I don't think I've written enough to feel like I've mastered every, all the... Do you know what I mean? All the different kinds of sitcoms and stuff by any level. So I think on some level... And also because I'm a, I am a performer first and a writer second. Even though writing has kind of taken over at the minute for me, but um, I am ultimately writing for myself a lot. You know, writing a part for myself within something. But um, uh, I think even though there are differences, I think you got to write what you're good at, what your thing is. So, do you know what I mean? So I think it will always, even if I write a thing that's a bit more peep showish, say it will still have my kind of gags my kind of lines but i guess uh, i guess you just change like we're trying to, i'm trying to develop a big sort of bbc one type thing as well um so that's obviously got to be a lot broader simpler bigger but it's still the same there's still gags you could use in either okay do you know what i mean so okay. is it's, you just some obviously you can't <laughs> dark and... things you can't put in to this or, or you can but you'd i mean if you look at a lot of the classic sitcoms are really dark you know like, like porridge in some ways is really dark you know one foot in the grave yeah. it's worth a revisit that's like okay. horror I think it's episode three Is, have, you, have you seen one foot in the grave oh yeah it's amazing for a long time yeah. I think well because I got the box set off my mum just had it so I just I'll, you know it's worth classic working through it and I think it's the third one it starts with like this sparrow uh, that he picks up oh yeah it's broke its wing or something and he puts it on a wall and then he has this whole story and at the end the sparrow has just been killed and that's the end, and there's no laughs. It's just, and it's like you know, represents his, him sort of becoming a, a worthless thing. So yeah, so some of those BBC ones are, are the, the, the darkness is there, you know. Being... We've 
used a couple of examples. You've used a couple of examples where something in real life has given you the the starting point for a character. Yeah. With Anna Man, with Andy, Andy Parker, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. people who there has been, you know, who have that kind of note of humanity. Yeah. Where that is an external influence that someone has said something to you and you've gone, hang on a minute, that tells a much bigger story than. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you can take that little nugget and go, right, okay, that's that's the, I don't know quite what it is, but that's like the little glowing blue gem that you go, right, somewhere there's something coming out of this. Presumably when you're writing a sitcom, you've got to populate it with other characters, not all of whom will you have those little gems at your fingertips. Or do you? Is that like a a note-taking process for you that you think, right, at this point I need a postman to come in. Have I got a starting point for a character so that they're not just a big square block with postman written. I think it helps if you do. I think so. You know, I think it, it definitely helps if you make the postman even someone that you, you see someone being the postman, whether that's a real postman you met or it's just someone who has a thing that not that every character has to have a quirk or whatever, but I think you should. I think it helps a lot. And funnily enough, the, the thing I'm doing, the potential BBC one thing, Say potential BBC One. Very, it's very early days. Very, very <laughs> the early thing days indeed. Currently being aimed at BBC thing, One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it would be that kind of thing. It would be a BBC One thing, is what I'm saying. But um, yeah, I've worked a bit on it with Jeremy Dyson's, you know, the League of Gentlemen, who's, mm-hmm. who I worked with before on a thing. Um, who's amazing, you know. But it was, it was really interesting chatting with him because I hadn't seen him for a while. And the thing I worked on before was this big. It never obviously happened, but it was this big sprawling Alan Moore type. It was, a, it was like the ultimate Carnival Monsters kind mm-hmm. of what would have been the Carnival Monsters show in a way if that had become sort of televisual. Um, but he, uh, he, he, so this thing we've been working on, I think we, we'd just gone down a route of making it very, we had done that thing, you know, of going, right, we probably need that kind of character, probably need, you know, a youthful character, probably need an older character, someone to represent that, you know. And he was, you know, he didn't tell us off or anything, but, you know, it was, it was, it was quite like you've got to get back to the stuff you know rather than doing, do you know what I mean? The stuff you understand and the stuff you relate to. And those old shows, like, for example, we were talk to, talking about um, Are You Being Served, which I don't actually remember particularly, you know, because it was sort of before, a bit before our time, wasn't it, really? But, like, John Inman apparently was a salesman, you know, and that's his history. And, like, they'd worked in those places and they they, they knew that world yes. and there was truth to the... And it, yes. he's very much, you know, like all the, the League of Gentlemen guys are, I think, you know, very much get back to the truth of it, you know, and, and that thing that you really... Because that is the thing that only you have, you know. So, so, if so you're, Andy Parker with the egg in the cup, you know, that's yeah. probably only I'm ever going to write that line. <laughs> And that doesn't mean, not because it's a particularly brilliant line, but just because it's probably only a thing that I would have thought because I know there's particular people and then I have on occasion bought an egg in a cup from Pret Monja and I've just imagined... <laughs> yes, absolutely. Point, I've gone in there while he's in my head and I've imagined what he would say about that and the ridiculousness of it, you know. Um, so I think, yeah, yeah, for everything, you have to kind of try and find those real people as much as you can. Which is just like acting, really, I suppose. You know, if you're acting, you wouldn't just go... You wouldn't want to do a... Now I'm being a generic character, would you? You'd, sure. They'd be, there, they'd be someone real. Is there the danger <clears> that you that you over... When you said everyone's got a... Or everyone might have a quirk. Is yeah. there a danger that you kind of over-quirk the script and you're like, OK, it's getting a bit cluttered now with... It's uh, getting too rich? 
Probably, yeah. I mean, if you watch a show where everyone's got a tick, (laughs) (laughs) that could be a good show. But but yeah, there are some characters who are just... But you see it, you see it. I've been in things where, you know, a lot of things where um, your character's been written and they're just saying, hang on a minute, you know, or, but wait. And you're like, there's no... You, you just exist, you're a feeder or whatever. You know, yes, I see what you mean, yes. You, and there's, You've got no life outside of this. There's no suggestion that you just walked in from a real place. Yeah, yeah. You're just yeah. there to go to point of a thing. Yeah, yeah, for someone else to then say loads of stuff, you know. Tangential question, which you can... Uh, I, I will probably definitely delete anyway. Okay. But okay. I, I, I've always meant to ask a couple yeah, of people yeah. this, but you're one in particular. Yeah, yeah. I have always assumed that with the amount of small characters you've played in lots of stuff on TV, yeah, yeah. you must have this kind of income stream, which is just endless repeat fees oh, and no, relicensing and all the not. rest of it. A, li- a little bit, a little bit. Like the bigger things, like being human, which I was in yes. for most of the series, that still pays. But not really, I'm afraid. I think I think that was because of, um, apparently because of The Office, because... Uh, I probably got this wrong, but I think because they the contract was really good for everyone because they didn't think it would succeed or something. Or, okay. You know, they didn't okay. really, and everyone just got huge amounts of money in repeats because it did so well. They weren't expecting to do so well, and DVD sales and stuff. So then, I think since then they've just given people the lowest possible repeats. <laughs> so well, it's, that's, it's, I'm it's sorry really to hear that. I'm sorry and to also, hear like that. children's TV, I was told, and you get on that, you know. You get endless repeats, and I was in a thing, and I've seen about fifty pounds. Yeah. <laughs> okay, over like three years. You know, I, I will but leave that question in things. because it's not an embarrassing answer. Yeah, it's yeah, not too, yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> not too personal. Agatha Christie thing. I was in. I I was in. That was like the first thing I ever did on radio, and I still get about three pounds a year. <laughs> but I don't know why that and nothing else. You know. Last question then. Yes. We started off talking about the financial implications of this conversation you were having with your wife about should I be doing stand-up in order to... Yeah. Should I focus on that? Yeah. And presumably you are... The doors in front of you at the moment are Anna Man seems to be going off and that yeah. she absolutely could become a... And I know when you say Dame Edna, it's a very different thing. Yeah, yeah. She could become that sort of a kind of yeah. spokesperson character. She could host things. That's you could see goal. her hosting... Game something shows and, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you could see her at the Royal Variety. She could easily yeah, yeah, do right. a set at the Royal Variety because she's her own thing. Mm-hmm. She's she's a unique voice and she's very powerful. Mm-hmm. So so that I think I think that could absolutely yeah, yeah. work. That's the dream, and it's lovely to have it reaffirmed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So similarly, there is, and we, we were talking sort of within the sphere of you need to finish things. Yeah. Or your your concern is that you you know that's yeah, one of yeah, your yeah. things and you don't yeah, finish yeah. that. And obviously, from the outside, everyone listening to this will be, this is a classic person going, well, I have to work myself so hard because I'm so lazy. We're like, you seem to have created yeah. quite a lot of stuff, you know, but fine, we've all got yeah. our, our ways of looking at it. So there's the Animan route. There's the stand-up route, which is, it kind of is within your power to take an hour to the free fringe at very little kind of... Yeah. At relatively little... Give kind it of, another go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You could do that and, and now yeah. people would come to see it because... You're the Anna Man guy, so there's, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. you have definite skills in, in that area. And then there's the writing and trying to get projects developed. So, presumably, I mean, from what you've said, it sounds like you're in a place at the moment where you're like, 
these are all very exciting, mm. but I have to get money. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and they all are bringing in money. It's just the amount of money I seem to need has gone up much more than I thought it would. Um, and I think that's to do with, with things are more expensive as well, aren't they, you know? I guess, but uh, so what's what's the question? Sorry, which well, one I am suppose, I going to do? Well, I suppose I'm not sure. It's like what what's where's your instinct leaning at the moment? Is it keep doing all of them? Is it? I mean, how realistic is uh, is the stand up kind of option for you? Well, because that that to me sounds like me saying to my wife, maybe I maybe if I could also be a truck driver whilst <laughs> driving to gigs, I could deliver a load of stuff yeah, and that'd yeah. make money. Yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? I mean, the other thing is that well, literally, what Cat, my wife, said was like, okay. We're not going to go any further on this line today. We're going to talk about this instead because this is. I was like, okay, right, right. <laughs> so I mean, I think you know. Don't worry, I'm not going to kill Anna or anything. Uh, it's very much a, a just a moment of going. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think I mean to do stand up properly, and that was kind of why I stopped it. I think it would be a bit of a passion thing, really, because then I started to do some paid gigs, and I was like, I'm not good enough. Do you know? What? I I'm sure I could. I, don't mean that arrogantly, but I think I could be good enough. Okay. I think it's purely just a case of I haven't done enough time doing stand-up. And even though it's very close to Anna, Anna is stand-up essentially, but it's still a whole different bag of tricks, isn't it? It's a whole yes. different but you do have manner that, and you know that issue that uh, Tom Bins talked about on this show, which right. is that you can't get your character your character can't go on Mock the Week. Your character can't go on yeah, Taskmaster. Yeah. You can't build yeah. the profile on TV unless it's specifically your vehicle. You can't play with us. Yeah. I I feel like Anna almost could. My yes. my dream at the minute is to get her like on the Apollo and she's already been on Russell Howard, which is a, a, a big step forward. But uh yeah, if I can make that happen, that would be that would be it. I think then I'd go but then I'd you know I'd do that and then I'd panic that everyone thought it wasn't very good and all that, you know, but but um I feel she could. I really feel she could. Absolutely. It's convincing people but yeah, you're right. You know, could if you saw her on Mock the Week, would it just be weird? Yeah. Um, Apollo, I think you could do because you get the stage. Work, but if the, yeah, yeah, I guess. And so, shooting yeah, stars yeah. would work. And absolutely. also, there's the history of sort of you know Lily Savage and people like that. Even yeah. though I'm not, I don't want to do a drag act as such. But you know, people would accept it. I think um, as long as it went well and all that, and I did it well. And I, I, I was really chuffed to see like Spencer Jones on it and stuff, which I think even though that's a very different kettle of fish, it's kind of in the same. It's, a bit it's the closer, same kind of a chance that they're taking yeah. on something that is like not the same as what's gone before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Genre yeah. Wise. Which I feel—I don't know if you feel—but I feel like maybe culturally we're slightly moving back out of the sort of yeah. proper stand-up, stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I know that sounds really insane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Northern, kind of, northern, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and I, southern, you know. I, I know what you mean. But that yes, kind people, of you know, blokes are, getting up and talking about. People are thirsting for something a little different. Maybe. It feels yeah. like there's sort of... What I always think of Rick Mail is what I think of. You know, it feels like that is maybe coming back a bit. That yes, kind of Rick Mail's a good kind know. of touchstone, isn't it? Because mm. it was a character, but not completely a character, but it wasn't just stand-up, but it was... Yeah, and the whole country liked it. And it was... Yeah. Uh, you know, because I guess we sort of went... You had the kind of 70s stuff, and then it went the alternative, and Rick Mail sort of represents all that in my mind, pretty much. And then that was became the establishment, I guess, didn't it? And then it's so weird that stuff that would have been big in the seventies sort of felt rebellious. Yes, it's so bizarre. Absolutely. But now I feel like, yeah, you can maybe we're allowed to be a bit odd again. Let's just finish by talking about happiness. Happiness 
Your Happiness. Oh, right. I thought you meant the film by Todd Solis. <laughs> very good film. I mean, it's very telling that that's your first... <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing you think of. Do you feel like you are in a, a, a more positive place? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. And one thing I would say is um, there's a great book called Reasons to Stay Alive by Matt Haig, which is very popular at the minute. But I read it when it first came out. Funnily enough, he's from near Nottingham as well. But um, that was actually what really made me sort of diagnose myself, if I'm honest, and, uh, which sounds crap, but it's what really made me realise, you know, uh, what it was. And you It's know, very easy to not realise. It's very, very easy to walk around thinking... Oh, things things are pretty shit, aren't they? And I don't fit, and I can't get it right, and, but, or whatever those well, things are. What I'd say was is, I don't think it is to do with happiness. Weirdly, you can still be happy, you know, manically happy. Actually, I, I do get manically happy, you know. And it's but the depression thing is something else. It's it's there's a bit in the Anna show, the depression show, where I say, you know, a lot of people think depression's like this, and then my mate Andy, who's in the show, goes, uh, "Oh, I'm so depressed, I can't be bothered, man." <laughs> like, there's a kind of Dutch character and I go well actually it's more like this oh my god there are crabs in my eyes you know and and that's the truth that actually it is it's like he describes it as being on fire inside or something you know that he feels like his whole body's on fire um or something like that you know and I I so I am a lot more happy but it's it's it was more to do with coping with life I think and society and my brain and everything as opposed to are you happy or not I really don't think depression is about sadness at all weirdly unless i was something else (laughs) (laughs) no i think that's do you know what i mean i think i think a few people have said that you know and it's um it and it can make you feel worthless and destroyed and terrible and terrified and paranoid and all these things but actually it's i think you can still be happy weirdly so like i have my daughter and the happiest you know i genuinely i said at the same time, I, you know, I feel like I've properly understood happiness since my daughter came along, you know. But, if, you know, me and my wife talked about that. I haven't really understood what it felt like to be happy until then, really, I don't think. I've had kind of ecstasy and excitement, but to just be sort of calmly happy with life. Um, so I'm sort of contradicting myself there. But at the same time, I, yeah, I think depression is about of things it can be about sadness but it's about other things as well i think what that makes me think is um some thoughts i was having recently about death but not in Mm. a weird morbid way yeah yeah. i think you can look at death as all of the things we associate with death gravestones and skeletons and mourning and wakes and funerals and wearing black and death yeah then the actual experience i had a family of my grandmother died earlier this year and um the actual experience of her dying did yeah. contain elements of there was a funeral and it was sad and people crying and stuff but actually it's a choice whether to decide to treat it in that way or whether and it's very trite to yeah. say it's almost like hey you can celebrate the fact that she lived you know you could put that on a, yeah, you know, yeah. on a put that in bold print on a on a picture of a sunset but but it's actually there is a sort of a a, a kind of a, a shift in your thinking where you can go death is a sad thing or you can go well, actually, I miss this person or someone else maybe that's been close to me or what have you. Yeah. But, but actually, you can sort of absorb that into what life is. And I wonder if there are sort of parallels there with kind of going, like, depression doesn't need to be about sadness. It can be kind of a... 
a dysfunction somehow. Mm. Mm. I don't know well, in that book, he I'm talks about how it can be a driving force as well. You know, like he talks about Abraham Lincoln had it and uh, Winston Churchill, and he does this whole list of people that have had it, you know. And it can actually be a force that can make you do stuff. Um, to the point where he says about how there's some theories that they believe it's evolutionary, a, a way of like creating new things and of, of driving the, the species on and stuff. Because which sounds so bizarre because it's so the opposite of what you think depression is. I.e., it's doing nothing all day or whatever. Um, but no, I think you're absolutely right. Like with sadness, it's cats. Uh, uh, my wife's grand died recently, and she's an absolutely lovely lady. You know, and it was. Um, I remember we said, well done, Granny. <laughs> it was a really nice way of looking at it. You know, after yeah. when we got back from um, the funeral, was literally next week, but it was like, so it was a really nice way to look at it. Well done for your life. Like, brilliant. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's brilliant that you, and you, she's such a loved person. Like, I barely knew her, you know, and she's been ill for a long time, so she hasn't been all there kind of thing, but just radiated like loveliness you know it's like well done for that because very few people have done that in their life you know so yeah it's all right i normally try to finish on a thing which wraps things up neatly. oh sorry yeah go on. no 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 not at all no 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 i'm not saying oh yeah, you're yeah. a bad guest you didn't wrap things no. up neatly what i'm saying is i wanted to get i brought up death and i kind yeah, of yeah. wanted to talk about that because i think that is a really interestingly different way of looking at the world yeah and um, it is incumbent upon me to tie this together in a neat little bow yeah. that will finish the podcast yeah, yeah. and send people to your tour <laughs> to their grave <laughs> send, send people to their grave to their grave yeah. well, maybe we'll settle for that yeah thanks man so that was colin how much fun was that taller he's taller when he becomes anna inviting anna in i mean with uh, those things would seem pretentious if someone else were to say them right or or at least they're very actorly things to say about someone who's doing a, a comedy character. But inviting Anna in, once you've seen Anna, once you've got that sort of, oh, do fuck off, you know, fuck off, I love it. That, that sort of thing, you, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And I'm so pleased for Colin that he has found... It's really exciting to see someone who for years has had all of the components with which to make something that surpasses their current work. I've loved his shows for years, and I, I mentioned in the interview all this, my take on him, that, that kind of dark, the sort of dark Alan Moore sketch show. I, I, I love what he does, and it's so exciting to see someone who you love what they do take different bits, put them together in a slightly different way and achieve more mainstream success. You know, um, so that's very exciting. Thanks to Colin for coming on the show. Thank you to Nathan Wood for editing this episode and putting in some sterling work behind the scenes in the last couple of weeks. And thank you to Matt Hoss, who logged this episode for me very kindly. Now, um, I will talk to you. I'll have a little uh, post-amble at you in just a moment. But remember, it is not too late for you to send in your own submitted material for the Great Comedians Comedian Experiment. Uh, I did this show, Everyone's a Comedian, last year, where I crowdsourced an hour of your comedy, providing that you are not a professional comedian. So if you would like to send in your anecdotes, your one-liners, your ideas for jokes, I mean, it helps if they're jokes rather than just ideas for jokes, but um, whatever you'd like to send in that is your own original work that you would perhaps like one day to hear or, or see a, uh, a, a comedian, a professional comedian, maybe even someone famous, maybe even someone beloved to you, 
perform, if you would like to see that stuff performed, then send it to comedians. Well, go to comedianscomedian.com forward slash experiment and follow the instructions there. I'll chat to you a little bit more in the postamble about what's going on with that. But that is still very much an open offer, particularly if you have an anecdote or you are a lady, because there is a, a very male slant towards... It's not a very male slant. What I mean is most of it is by men. So uh, it would be lovely to even that up. Send in whatever you've got. And I look forward to discovering it and it causing me great fun problems down the line. Mm, mysterious. That's all for now. Back next week. I keep promising you Julio Torres. Someone mentioned Colin just when I was making it. I had to make a quick decision. So I was like, let's get Colin out there. I, I feel I've built up Julio Torres too much now. He's so wonderful. I will try very hard to release that one next week. Thanks. That's all for now. I'll speak to you next week. If you'd like to hang around, hang around. Okie dokie. Well, let's try and make this brief. Here's what I'm doing. I'm I'm working on Everyone's a Comedian and I'm going into the offices to do that in half an hour. And we're practising some of the games today. We're trying out some things. I, I, I never know what I'm allowed to say about this. And I, we had a quick chat about it. And I, I don't think I have to keep anything secret, but I'm very, <laughs> very mindful of shooting myself in the foot by revealing too much. Clearly, I am trying to develop Everyone's a Comedian to work as a TV show. Clearly, there are other people involved with this who believe in the idea and have been working on it with me. And it has been... Let's talk about an unusual aspect of this. So great being in an office. Now, look, <laughs> I mean, many of you might work in offices that you like or dislike. I've no idea. I've never really worked in an office for a little while, many years ago. I'm very fond of saying I've never had a real job, and I never have. This was on a, a freelance, occasional basis. But over the course of two years, when I was becoming a comedian, I managed to snag through a, a street-performing contact of mine... Um, a, a funny little job writing links, writing interstitial gags in between shows on a TV channel, which outside of the TV world might sound like, wow, that was a big break in TV. This was the opposite of a big break in TV, but it was uh, a case of just writing lots of little pseudo-funny comments that had to be precisely 12 or 15 seconds long. But it was in an office, and it was in a fun office with some really fun people who, because I was becoming a comedian, I was never able to hang out with quite as much as I wanted to. But uh, nonetheless, that is pretty much my only office experience. And now, working on developing a TV show with a bunch of TV producers who... God, how nice is it when someone knows their stuff, when you can go, so I thought we, we could try it like this, and they'll go, no, it, it, they'll say it in a very friendly way, that won't work, and I'll explain why. And they explain why, and you go... God, you know what you're talking about. How much of my life, how much of my professional life is me just wildly firing into the dark? It's, I mean, it's really astonishing. And I, I think sometimes, we've gone on a tangent here, but that's the point. Sometimes, you know when you see someone, you see an act who is kind of fated. You see someone and, and you suddenly everyone is talking about them very early on and you think... Oh, wow. I mean, I don't necessarily see it myself, but and then that person streaks ahead and you're like, well, there must have been something. I, I think sometimes maybe that is not just about raw talent, but maybe it's about support. Maybe some people who manage to get in bed with, in, in a purely figurative sense, um, a big agency or producer or manager early doors, the rate 
the you know the 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 exponential rate of their their work the rate of their work increases exponentially because they've got someone there saying well don't don't do that just avoid that that's a blind alley and do this instead aim for that i suppose i think when i started i just had it was i've, I've always felt maybe i've said this before i felt like the tail end of the people who were sort of escaping normal life by becoming comedians and the very, you know, there were just tendrils here and there of people who were like, absolutely, I'm doing this as a career move, as a, as a career, which I don't mean to I don't mean to disparage. You know, it is potentially a career, isn't it? So but there were people who were like, I'm going to be successful. It's easy to look down on people who want to be famous. But I think it's fine if you want to be famous. But there were people who like wanted to be successful. And I, when I started 13 years ago now, was someone who wanted just to do it, <laughs> just wanted to do it. And uh, and there didn't seem to be that many colossal opportunities or the opportunities seemed unrealistic. I remember writing to a, a listener of this podcast who went on to, to become a, a very influential comedian um, that I that I just want I had fairly humble. I just wanted to do it for the sake of doing it. And the, in the email, I, I said to this person that it was it was like bands. Right. Some people want to be. Westlife and some people want to be Bob Dylan and I was happy being Cake. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was happy being the band Cake because they tour and they do their thing and they occasionally sell well, but they're not... N- nothing about their process suggests they're trying to play arenas, you know? So the point is, some people seem to be on that track when I started and, and since then, certainly, some people seem to just accelerate... And I wonder if that's to do with having the right help. And I suppose I'm just enjoying all I'm saying. I'm saying two things. One, offices are great, right? Because there's people in there and you see them. And then the next week you go, oh, it's that guy again. How's your leg that you were complaining about? That's a bad example. But it's like a really fun environment. It's just and you go, part of me has this kind of lust to be in an office. And admittedly, it's a fun office, not necessarily a, you know, it's a TV making office. And I'm seeing it from the perspective of someone who gets to float in. I'm not there going, Christ, the boss has just dropped a load of work on me. And I've got to, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I've got to do. Don't work in an office. Um, I'm sure there are moments or there have been moments. The most memorable one to me is um, some skiing gigs I did in the French Alps for a, a, a lovely couple. And uh, that, the fact that that couple suddenly makes it sound like uh, I've been exploited. Um, but I remember sitting in an outdoor jacuzzi with steam rising up from it, looking up at the snow-capped Alps literally metres away from us and uh, and thinking, oh, this, it's Monday morning. This is my Monday morning in the office. So obviously I, I got to, you know, there are moments when you go, bloody hell, this is great. There's a lot of driving. There's a lot of, my God, this... Week I'm driving from London to Hull to Liverpool to Manchester to Bristol. That's going to take quite a long time, but um, and I've been really enjoying the Embedded podcast, the NPR Embedded podcast. So uh, have, have a listen to that. So, so I'm aware that I get massive benefits in other in other ways. But I don't, I'm not complaining about my lot at all. But it's quite nice and refreshing, and it's like there's a community feel. You're like these are the people in the office. And I, I, speaking as someone who always turned away from that and ran away from it, it's quite nice to go, hmm, a lovely office. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to going in today and seeing people. Um, that probably sounds quite pathetic. There's a lot more going on than that, which obviously I don't want to get into too much detail on, but that is worth mentioning. So something about offices being good. I always wanted to create a sort of, 
almost a little bit like what Angel Comedy are doing in London, where there's sort of a space for comics to hang out during the day. But I think that's replete with problems. Who knows? Um, and then the other thing is simply that we, the more we support each other, the better we'll all do. Because when people... There's nothing nicer in comedy. There's nothing more encouraging to a young comic than having an older comic or person who knows what they're doing support you and encourage you and not just go yeah great you smashed the gig fine but just when people help each other and go can you help me out with some gigs yeah there we go I physically can I can be bothered to go what about this person what about that why don't you ring them and um and if that is I think that's the nearest we could that's a thing we can all do for each other and I don't just mean we comedians everyone it's just kind of nice to help people in it there we go. That's the here ended the lesson. Uh, what did Goldsmith talk about today? Well, apparently offices are good and we should help each other. God, it's like the end of an episode of He Man, <laughs> like a really tedious episode. That'll do me for now. I've got to get out of the habit of recording these early in the morning because uh, it does something weird to my head. That was Colin. Hope you enjoyed him. Speak to you very soon. Uh, Comedianscomedian.com forward slash tour forward slash donate and forward slash experiment. Those are your missions. Speak to you soon. <laughs> Fuck off, I love it.